Hey everyone, this is Patricia. Hope you guys have been doing well. I've just been really busy with schoolwork and internship, which is why I haven't been posting as much lately. But I'm sure that you already knew that if you follow me on social media or if you have checked out my Old School Lane blog. If you haven't yet, then please subscribe over to this YouTube channel and check out my social media outlets on Facebook and Twitter and check out my blog, oldschoollane.net. So in honor of season 2A of the Owl House being complete and going through its hiatus until probably around winter or spring, episodes 6 through 10 have been posted up on Disney+. And what you're about to listen to are the discussions of those episodes from Aaron Meta from the Aaron Meta Show and I from Aaron and Patricia. For those who don't know, Aaron and Patricia is a weekly podcast series where we discuss about various pop culture news and we have been watching watching season two of the Owl House, as well as season one of Monsters at Work. So I just want to let you know there are major spoilers ahead. If you have not seen season two of the Owl House, then please go check it out on Disney Plus, Disney Now, Hulu, or wherever that you can to support the official release. If you have not listened to our discussions of episodes one through five, then go check out Aaron and Patricia or check out the annotation or the link down below so you can be able to catch up. But if you have caught up, then sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, everybody. It's time to give us your give us our our thoughts on season two, episode six of the Owl House, and uh, this is the episode where we finally get to see the Golden Guard's face. So. Yay! And we kind of knew that this was going to happen, considering about like all the trailers that was showing off the Golden Guard's face, but. Yeah, there was a lot more to it that uh, we didn't expect. Like, it, you know, it first opens up with um, the uh, the leaders of the coven, which uh, we did see in the trailer. But we saw like Emperor Bello saying, like, you know, I'm going to show you what my plans are. And we got to see the Titan's head on Earth. It's like, OK, now he wants to have Earth and, you know, Bonesboro kind of like merge together so he can take over everything. Yeah. There's so. a meme that's currently going on on uh, on Twitter right now. And it's like, it's, you know, like Patrick Starr when he's like saying, we take X and we put it somewhere else. And like yes. his Emperor Bell's face, like, okay, this is the plan. We take the Titan's head and we put it in Connecticut. <laughs> <He's going laughs> like, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, guys, you know, um, parliamentary democracy seems like a good option right now. You know, so, uh, but, uh, I mean, here's the thing, like, uh, it seems all these coven heads now are like, they, they are complicit, they are complicit in all of this, from the sounds of it, so, like, uh, I'd be, um, obviously I know we've got into the next episode to go, and I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of fans saying, oh, what about this particular coven head, we'll talk about that next week, uh, if we get to that point, but, uh, mind you, in the, just in the cold open, there's so much to digest, like, so, um, we've met the Coven heads, we've, well, we've, like, seen what they are, and then, obviously, we got Bellows turning into that Wendigo thing, like, you know, that's a horrible monster, uh, and things like yeah. that, which, uh, let me say, as someone who's, like, you know, read up on the legend of the Wendigo recently, I have to say, um, I feel a bit more confident about this guy getting killed, <laughs> pretty much, so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you more about it later on, but, um, in regard, but then also we learn that this Golden Guard apparently is, uh, the nephew of, you know, Uncle Balos. So yeah. he, that's the reason why, you know, so nepotism pretty much is, uh, taking part in the Empress Coven, uh, at the moment, and, uh, so, um, there's so much suggestion in all of that. Also, the reason why he turns into that monster is uh, because he doesn't have enough, like, you know, uh, Palisman energy to kind of, like, keep it at bay. So, maybe he's cursed? I don't know. Or, like, uh, yeah. we, we don't really know what his form is. 
really. No, like, we don't. We don't. We don't know much about him at all. So maybe it's just the fact that maybe that is him, and that he's been using Palisman energy to kind of like you know maybe he's kind of like you know in Help I'm a Fish, you know, like uh, when they you know uh, take that when the fish drink that serum stuff and like uh, you know they get more intelligent because of it, you know mm. uh, maybe it's that. So, uh, but who knows. Uh, so then we get into the intro, and it's uh, Luz is obviously um, struggling to get any information out of this mouse now. So he's just taking a nap in uh, his uh, little cage, which uh, he's got yeah. going for him. So uh, we, so he, she, she's uh, that, but then Ida walks in and says, "Oh well, uh, if you want to stick there by that hamster cage, you know, either that you can go try and find what your palisman is." And so she immediately gets dressed and uh, wants to <laughs> wants to go to Hexide. To go with that, and uh, interesting though is that uh, Eden now seems to be taking um, more of an interest in helping out the kids at Hexside. Yeah, that's good considering that she started off with, you know, not going to Hexside because you know, oh, um, the establishment, you know, makes you go into one particular coven, and now I, as the greatest witch in the world, don't even have to stick around with any other covens, and also the fact that she was expelled from Hexside because of all the stuff that she did, but now she's very open to even helping out the kids getting their own palismans, which is awesome. Yeah. So, um, we get to the point where they now have actually decided to do a new initiative because apparently the the, the materials that are used to create Palismans apparently now are very rare to find. So, yes. um, they've now done an adoption scheme, which um, it sounds kind of cool. So, um, they go kneel at this uh, these Palismans and say what they want to kind of achieve, and uh, they end up getting their respective Palismans because of it. So, uh, mind you, they, they, they are full of memes and jokes, I have to say. Like, uh, there we are. The one with Willow getting a B as a palisman is like, yeah, of course. You know, like, uh, yeah. And some of them do bear striking relations to Pokemon. That's all I say. Yeah, I, I guess that is kind of true. I mean, considering that um, Dana herself is a big Pokemon fan, it's not too much of a surprise. And, um, yes, yeah, so, uh, so Willow gets a B, and Basha gets a crab. Uh, Where's the giant gets- enemy crab? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, Gus gets a chameleon, and some of the others, they get, like, um, a sloth. One of them gets, like, a little deer. So, yeah, they're all, like, really, really cute. And then when Luz comes in and says, I want to be a witch, and then none of them come out. It's... And then Principal Bump is like, well, you have to be more specific. And so then she says, I want to get home to my mom, and then nobody comes in. And so she feels really devastated that she's not able to get any of the palismen that are right over there. Yeah, and like, I guess you could say that at this point, maybe uh, you know, uh, Luz is going for like an existential crisis. Maybe, like, uh, she's like, who, who am I? Like, uh, wh- why do I want to be a witch? Like, I've always been saying I wanted to be one, but never kind of asked myself why. So That's it's, actually uh, a really good point, considering that that thing that Basha brought up earlier is like, can you do any magic outside of the human realm? And then Gus was asking, can you still practice magic when you're back home? And she can't. We saw in the last episode of season one that when she tried to use a glyph against Lilith, it crumbled into dust. So, yeah, when she gets back into the human realm, her powers will be completely useless. Yeah. So, um, oh, actually, that'd be interesting to see, like, uh, maybe maybe at some point, maybe she might end up back in the human realm, but uh, ends up having to try and go back to the boy in the house. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah. actually, actually, it's interesting for, like, Amity as well. Like, uh, she won't be able to use magic in the, in, in the Earth realm. So, uh, if this Well, I mean, we, we, saw, we, saw Lilith, we saw Lilith do magic. Did she? Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Then I guess... Uh, uh, oh yeah, because I, they, I they, they can I mean, actually do it. Will. That's why I don't think she. Obviously, yeah. you know, lose Khan. But uh, so um, 
yeah, so, th- so there was, uh, we get to that point, and uh, then um, Luz returns home, she kind of has like a massive thing, but then realises that one of the Palismans has actually, <laughs> actually uh, you know, uh, commandeered themselves into uh, Luz's backpack, so she uh, ends up having to try and take it back, and uh, then, well, oh, babe, she- right, before, right before we discuss about that, let's talk about Principal Bump for a second. Oh, yeah, actually, we need to mention this. So, um, yeah, I made up a theory last week that uh, Principal Bump, that thing on his head might have been actually controlling him. And uh, we actually, he might be actually be Philip Witterbane and uh, maybe or maybe a relative of Philip Witterbane. I was badly, badly, badly wrong with this. And so, and I admit that, and I somewhat apologize for it as well, because we actually get a reveal that uh, this talisman is actually help. He's actually blind and is actually helping him see, which is so, yeah. you know, like, that is... Uh, I'm actually kind of happy that actually that, that ended up being the case, rather than, like, you know, this thing just being, like, a, a head crab. You know, so, like, I, I, in that way, I'm kind of happy, but at the same time, I feel bad that I ever made up that theory. So, if anyone was offended by that theory, then I apologize. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it, considering that it was a pretty interesting theory. I mean, we never got to see what um, Principal Bump's ears look like. So, I mean, that was, you know, possible that maybe it's just the reason why he's covering it is because they're human ears. But no, it just turned out that that was part of his palisman, and he's rocking this really long hair. Yeah. And by the way, the palismans don't seem to, like, you know, um, seem to, like, be necessarily for animals. Like, you know, this thing's like a devil. Like uh, that yeah. uh, lives on it is on the top. So I mean, I guess you know you can have a palisman for anything. I guess. Mm, so, yeah. Possible. Uh, yeah, I bet you there's someone who's like a troll and like uh, they have like I don't know maybe they have like uh, you know like certain like a certain like object like <laughs> on top of their palisman. It's like you know, it's I mean, like... I, I, from from what, from what I've seen, it looks like creatures. So I mean, even though it yeah. is like a devilish thing, it looks like it's a type of animal. So I think only animals would probably like be suffice. So that's well, why the, the devil's not necessarily an animal. It's like it's a it's a mythical creature. So yeah, like... and I guess that's and I guess the golden guards, um, you know, kind of staff also kind of like works in a very similar way. So there's that. Well, let's get to that, shall we? Um, so um, the so Luz is uh, asleep amongst all these palismans, and because uh, he's trying to figure out basically maybe using the palismans to help her figure out where she wants to go in life. And uh, she decides, oh, I try to be a bounty hunter, but say uh, she goes, she can't do magic there, and she go, maybe she can be like a really famous magician, but says uh, she can't do, she can't do card tricks in uh, in the human realm either. And so she goes through like all these ideas, and then she starts to drift away. And then next thing, she's woken up by a jolt, and it turns out that uh, the Golden Guard is trying to steal the Palismans. <laughs> So mm-hmm. uh, we get to that bit, and so the fight scene ensues, and uh, they crash the the ship, and so uh, it ends up being uh, the uh, actually it didn't actually crash on purpose. There's uh, there's a giant monster that's controlled by oh what's the name of that character? I keep forgetting. Uh, well, what's what's her name? Which character? You know the the tiny character with like the octopus for a face. Oh, oh, Kikimura. Kikimura. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I keep, I keep forgetting that. So, um, she's she's basically sent a monster after you know the Golden Guard and uh, has made up this story that he's died. So uh, and uh, used like the monster to like you know he's supposed to see that he's been eaten up and that. So, uh, in, oh, sorry, not not eaten up by that, but obviously you know. Uh, says that so the ship has crashed because of the monster and he's ended up dead because of it so um we all they all think he's dead and then but uh, the golden guard and uh, lose actually managed to escape and have decided now to work together and uh, so then they realize that uh, kiki moore is going to basically take these palismans and take them off to do uh, to emperor Ballast to be you know consumed so they hatch this scheme to um 
and I try and get them back, but in all amongst of all of that, uh, Luz actually takes uh, the Golden Guard staff, and uh, we realize that the Golden Guard can't naturally do magic either. So. Yeah, so, you know, going back into the whole Harry Potter um, parallels again, there's a term for witches and wizards who can't do magic. They're called squibs. And for some reason or another, they have difficulties with even learning the basics of magic. So from what we were told by the Golden Guard, by the way, his name is Hunter now. Mm -hmm. So what we were told by Hunter is that, um, you know, his family, you know, was like really struggling with like, you know, magic and dark magic and various things. And then Emperor Bellows took him in. So technically they're not related. Or maybe they are related. Maybe he's just like a far off member of the family. Who knows? But... Anyway, so he's like saying that, you know, he can't do magic without this staff, this staff. So, and then Luz kind of like helps him out a little bit, especially when we learn that Kikimura is like trying to kill uh, the Golden Guard because, you know, she, you know, he, she hears about that nepotism thing about like, oh, you know, they're related. And then, you know, she kind of like wants to be the top of Emperor Bellos's side. So... I guess, you know, there, there's, you know, she sends like this weird looking finger dragon thing to go after them. So now they have to figure out a way so that they can be able to not only rescue the palisman from Kikimura, but also to, um, you know, work together so that they can be able to escape. And it's actually really nice to see both of them work together, even though we kind of knew that they weren't going to end up being friends at the end. It's kind of like an Aang and Zuko situation where they have like two different sides that they have to follow, but they work together in just this one moment. Yeah. One of the things interesting though is that uh, I don't think, you know, this whole angst between the two is going to last. I think, I think uh, you know, looking at what's happened in this episode, I think, uh, you know, Hunter is going to end up betraying Emperor Balos. I think, and uh, we'll end up kind of going off on his own, probably. I, like. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised either, yeah. considering of the experience that he and Luz had together, and he was really close to even discussing about like you know this wild magic and how you know it was like you know the the ancient ways of the glyphs from like hundreds of thousands of years ago and how it was dating back to when magic was like really old, and he was. About tell some really interesting information and then he's like no no i can't tell you that there, it was restricted for a reason so apparently palacemen are filled with wild magic and wild magic is considered to be very dangerous and um you know he's trying to you know help emperor bellows because palacemen are the only thing that is keeping whatever that's going on with him you know contained so but at the same time palacemen with wild magic are dangerous so it's like there's something that emperor bellows is not telling us i think yeah i think it's bullshit I think I think it is, and uh, because uh, I mean, also on top of that as well, like you look at like look at what he's uh, doing in regards to like you know uh, what he led on with uh, you know the the coven heads. He's pretty much admitting he wants to you know pretty much uh, you know stick the titan head on 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 Earth, and you know do God knows what. You know, so like uh, you know, this uh, this guy is deranged. Like, uh, I still have the theory that he's going to create. Uh, like, I think some. You know, we've had some influence of video games in this series, and I can't thinking that uh, this is what Emperor Ballas is doing. He's trying to do what they did in Half Life in Black Mesa, where they created. They ended up uh, accidentally creating a Resonance Cascade scenario and ended up morphing both worlds together, or creating a mm -hmm. giant rift between like the two. So like, uh, I kind of thinking that this is what's probably end up going to happen when he turns on that portal, maybe for the first time. So. Yeah, I mean, there's there are so many questions that were brought up in this episode. It was just built with lore, and also, um, it also and also it it kind of ends in a very you know sweet way with Ida walking all the way over to like a, a secret part of the forest where there was like an inkling of 
a tree that can be able to have Luz make her own palisman. I mean, when we first saw the Bat Queen coming in and gathering the palismans and, you know, making sure that they were safe and, uh, you know, then we saw the little red cardinal and then it was saying, oh, um, you know, you know where to go. You finally found who you want to be with when then go. And a lot of people thought it was going to be Luz, that that was going to be Luz's palisman. But no, it's actually going to be Hunter's palisman. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, this is gonna be. Uh, then this is, gives me the reason why I think you know uh, I think Hunter is gonna eventually betray the Empress Govan. I think, and uh, or maybe like uh, who knows? Maybe he might end up uh, you know faking his death, maybe faking his own death, maybe, and uh, that's how he's gonna get out. So. Yeah. So. Um, there's also another thing that we need to bring up is about, you know, Kikimura figuring out that not only was the Golden Guard alive, but also that he was the one responsible for the fight and stealing away the, you know, helping to steal the dragon that Luce was able to, to help, you know, rescue the palisman. So, you know, they thought that, oh, you know, um, you know, Kiki, you know, Kikimura thought that, oh, you know, the Golden Guard was attacked, but then he was killed. And then Emperor Bellos thought, oh, you know, you lost the palisman or you didn't bring any with you. I mean, he didn't even know know that there was like a whole slew of palismen that were just right over there and um you know the whole uh, you know situation with um kikimura saying uh but sir you know you, um the golden guard did bring you a whole bunch of palismen it's just that you know th they got lost but i mean he probably didn't even know again you know that because they were masked up because the um Luce and hunter did that great spell involving with like the sleeping mist so, again, you know, she probably thought that they just, like, went away after, uh, you know, uh, the, these two mysterious people attacked her. So, that will definitely be brought up when, you know, she saw the scratch on his head with, um, you know, after that she attacked him. So, yeah, there's definitely going to be, like, some cases in which, like, oh, sire, you know, uh, the Golden Guard is not to be trusted because he was the one who attacked me and set off the palisman free when in reality he should have given it to you. He's not loyal. It's like, yeah, there's some things that are going to be happening later on in this season. Well, one thing that'd be interesting to see is that maybe Kikimura and, uh, you know, uh, got, you know, Hunter have another fight and maybe, like, maybe the Emperor's government themselves kind of, like, start end up kind of, like, splitting into factions. And it's kind of like, uh, well, hey, what they did to, you know, Hunter is not right. Like, he's the person we're supposed to be following. Well, Kikimura is the person who's, like, responsible for, like, X, Y, and Z. And and, uh, you know, like, uh, maybe it ends up kind of, maybe the whole Empress Coven ends up falling apart so with Emperor Bellus unable to do anything because keeps uh, morphing into that monster. Like, uh, yeah. you know, the, the whole Empress Coven could just, you know, have, could just implode. So, uh, and uh, that actually ties into uh, basically our next episode where we're going to finally meet the rep uh, members of the Resistance. Yes, so we are going to meet up with one of the leaders of the coven who just so happens to be a crucial person for Ida's past and discussing about, hey, we're going to have a resistance against Emperor Bello. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this episode. Yeah. And as he ends up in the resistance. Like, uh, you know, yeah. like, I think uh, I can see, um, I mean, obviously, that, I don't know, like, will it end up being a situation where there ends up being kind of like resistance, like, you know, there's like the, un that's going to be like the underlying story of like, uh, you know, Eda, you know, and this, uh, uh, so this, this head of the Bard Coven, like, uh, organizing all of that, like, in the background, and then maybe like, uh, you know, lose Amity and like everybody else kind of like uh, ends up going like on their own adventure, like, you know, just like stop Balos or something like that, I don't know, or maybe stopping like uh. what's going on with the realm, who knows. Yeah, I mean, who knows, but all I know is is that a lot of information that was really crucial to the lore of the story was revealed, a lot more questions that we have um, building up it needs to be answered, I hope, soon. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really also excited to see what Luce's new palisman is going to look like. Yeah, it's like, well, they're, they're teasing that, aren't they? Like, I think they're probably going to end up revealing that at the very end of the series. 
I yeah, think. probably. Yeah, I think, uh, mind you, the one thing I don't want them to do is, like, you know, we're going to have, like, a lot of questions, but at the same time, we don't want, like, them all answered all at once. Like, you know, save some stuff for Season 3. You know, like... Yeah. Also, I'm really upset that Amity wasn't able to choose her palisman. I guess, you know, she was left I have a mom. feeling. You know what? I was chewing over this before. You know her new necklace? Uh, yeah, it looks like the shape of the moon. And do you remember in the trailer we had like a character who had like a moon for a face? Yeah, I remember that. I'm wondering. Mm. But maybe let's end it at that, just to give everyone okay. a chance to walk away with those thoughts in their minds. Sounds so. good. Let's talk about The Owl House Season 2, Episode 7, uh, Eda's Wequiem. And, uh, you know, um, <laughs> is there not going to be an episode where no one cries? <laughs> 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 oh man you know um but mind you this is a necessary episode we haven't seen um uh, Ida go massively through the motions right now and uh, given the fact that we have um Ida now losing having the prospect of potentially not having uh you know lose around anymore because she wants to get back to the human realm but now uh, we're left with the uh, potential that uh, king no longer wants to be in the outhouse because he wants to go look for he wants to try and search for his dad again so uh, there, there's that, that going on. So uh, Louis has the idea of uh, booking both of them into the Grand Prix, and uh, where the uh, winner of that of that uh, which is Grand Prix uh, will basically be able to get onto uh, you know Boiling Isles television, and they'll be broadcasting the entire Boiling Isles, and uh, then uh, King will be able to uh, announce that uh, you know he's looking for his dad, and be able to try and send a message to him through. Uh, through the magic of television, so yes, um, so he is. But mind you, that's not the whole kind of like conversation of it all. So uh, there is other things that we're going to go into at the very end of the episode. But uh, Ida is pretty down about the fact that you know she's going to be all on her own in the Owl House again with who, only Hoodie to keep her keep her company. So, um, but then while she's in the middle of that, she finds her um, her old is it guitar that she's got? Oh, I, I it's can't, a lute. It's a lute. Okay, so she gets she finds her old lute, which uh, she used to be able to play, and when she plays it, she suddenly finds that she's able to do magic again, only to find out the curse is messing with her magic again. <laughs> so. Yeah, that 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 is a bit of a problem, considering that. Um, you know, she's still feeling the effects of doing her magic, and we kind of knew that she wasn't able to do, like, her, um, other spells, and she's only been relying on potions for her to defend herself, so she's hoping that maybe by playing this instrument and using the bard magic, she'll be able to see if she can be able to do it, but no, it's, the, the magic is not there, and the curse has definitely affected all the items around her. Yeah. Have you noticed, though, that, uh, I mean, um, also, one thing I've noticed as well, did you notice that Albert seems to be hanging around more with, uh, with Luz than she's, he seems to be hanging around with, uh, with Eda at this point? Yeah, right. I, I've been noticing it a lot, too. I mean, you could probably argue that, you know, Luz is really getting stronger with her magic. And, you know, she was using um, Albert to help train for this race because she's not 100% sure what she wants to carve with her um, palisman wood that we saw in the last episode. So I guess she's using more of Albert in the meanwhile. Mm, I don't know. Like, uh, I'm, I'm starting to wonder, like, uh, I mean, again, I don't know what she's going to end up carving. Like, uh, there is, by the way, um, some suggesting that it might be the bird that Dana Terrace has in uh, on her uh, Instagram profile. 
Like she's, oh, uh, you mean like the, the little bluebird? Yeah, the little bluebird. It's uh, I can't remember exactly what it is. It's uh, but uh, like uh, maybe it might be that some people are suggesting. But uh, I mean, uh, who knows? Like uh, maybe um, she might end up carving something, and then maybe Ida ends up taking that, and then she ends up with Albert. I don't know. Ooh, maybe. So. Or maybe maybe it'll be an otter because you know we know that Luce loves otters. Uh, that that yeah, and uh, that that could be a thing too. So uh, I don't know. It's kind of funny, like, I was thinking, like, you know, what would be my, what would be my palisman? Like, uh, I don't know whether I'd have, like, you know, uh, a fox, or I think if I'd ever have, like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, I, I like Remy from Ratatouille. I don't know if I'd have him as a palisman. Uh, that... Then that would be, like, a little tiny mouse. Yeah. So, like, well, he's a rat, actually, not a mouse. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, then, yeah, yeah definitely um, an otter for me if I were to choose a palisman. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, moving on with the story. So, um, uh, Ida is out, you know, basically drinking our sorrows away, and uh, she's uh, uh, talking about funny for like from uh, an apple blood garden, which is uh, which is really inconsistent because it's like um, they're suggesting that our uh, apple blood has like uh, you know has it has like alcoholic content in it, but then you see like in a juice box and like in being drink drunk at Hexide. So like, uh, there's no. I mean, consistency. I guess it's like you know. I mean, I guess it's like apple cider. It's like, you know, you either drink like the regular apple cider, which is like the juice, or is it like the hard apple cider, which has the alcohol in it? It's like, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, know, I, I take it. That, I mean, I take it that maybe the reason why it's in a juice box is because maybe she doesn't want to get too, um, you know, overly drunk, and so you know she gets like the kitty version because maybe she doesn't have the money to pay for the tab, uh, or maybe she's just there because she's just really depressed. Oh, maybe, you know what? Maybe it's like you know, like do you remember like when four kids used to like censor loads of stuff, like in uh, in in, uh, in anime shows. Maybe it's probably maybe maybe Disney kind of like said no, you can't have a like you know in a wine glass or anything like that. Put a juice box in there because it's you know that's that's what you have to put in. I don't know. Or if, like, like, in, like in like in old cartoons when you have like characters dress up as cowboys and they always get like milk as opposed to like whiskey. Yeah, maybe that's probably why it was done. That's all, that's all I can assume. But uh, so anyway, that's 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 regardless of the story. So she comes out because uh, she finds that a, a wild witch has been captured by the Empress Coven to uh, you know be uh, uh, you know uh, be reintroduced into society, which I think uh, is going to have a really disturbing twist at the very end of this episode. But uh, she goes out and uh, she basically tries to stop it, and uh, she ends up punching a guy in the face, which totally took us all by surprise. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, is this, mind you, like, uh, that's an interesting thing. Like, you know, is this uh, a sign that the show's getting more violent? Uh, in I, a way. I mean, Dana Terrace did say that she was going to up the ante when it came to the show. So I guess violence is one of them. Yeah. So I'm going to get shot soon. Like, we know, we know as fast the show goes. <laughs> I mean, there hasn't been any introductions of guns, but you never know with this show, to be quite honest. Well, well you, like, I don't know, like, uh, I've been, funny enough, like, uh, I've been trying to get keep hold of, like, you know, the laws and everything like that, because, uh, you know, um, you have, like, you know, you have, like, all the covens and everything like that, and they have, like, their own particular powers and stuff like that, yeah. but also they have their own weaknesses as well. So, for example, like, you know, you have, like, uh, you know, Darius, who's the, uh, you know, the the abomination coven head, like, uh, he has the aspects of a shapeshifter, and the way that you defeat him is by, basically by decapitating him. So, like, uh, you yeah. know, like, uh, maybe we're going to see the introduction of swords or sharp objects, maybe in the, in the regards to that, maybe too. That. And then also with uh, the, uh, I what's the name of, like, the, uh, the, the head of the beast coven? You know, the... Uh, um, uh, Evan Wolf. Evan Wolf, yeah. Like, you know, he, he seems to have the aspects of a werewolf, and the only thing that beats him is silver bullets. So maybe we're going to see the introduction of a gun, I don't know. 
Like, mm. uh, it's, uh, you know, so, like, uh, it's, uh, maybe there's a possibility this, this show could get pretty violent at the very end of it. I don't know. So I wouldn't like, be surprised. I mean, we'll, 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 t- we'll basically take the season one finale and just amp it up. Yeah, maybe. So, um, so we, we get to the point where the, you know, Ida's going to basically get her comeuppance in regards to challenging the Empress Coven, but uh, then they're uh, stopped by some really, uh, soothing music. Which is uh, yeah, being done by yeah. So we have by... a, a group of bards, yes. Yeah, which are known as the bats, who are the yes. uh, the, the uh, bards against the throne, and uh, so uh, they start playing music, and uh, all shenanigans start going on, and uh, so the uh, you think that they defeated the Empress Coven by marching them off to their own music, but uh, they manage to block that, cover their ears, and uh, that stops the music, which is like, oh well, that's a pretty effective way of like uh, you know stopping that magic. So, um, they didn't realize that you need an extra strategy to actually, you know, when you do these types of things, which, uh, you know, you would normally think of when you're doing pretty badass stuff like this. But Ida, thankfully, gets them all into the sewer and gets them out of the city. So, uh, that's, uh, her saving the day. And, uh, yeah, so, so we do, so we do get to see a weakness for the bards, kind of like in the last episode where we do get, well, the, the, the two episodes ago where we saw the weakness of the illusionists where uh if you don't pull off an illusion very well you can easily be captured so i guess for a bard's weakness if you cover your ears then you won't be affected by the spells yeah well we're seeing a lot of weaknesses in like in all the covens so like uh, for example like uh, you know the uh, there's the um uh, what's it called the oracle uh one as well like uh, you know it's uh, it has to be controlled by certain stones and if you crush the stones then you can't really you can't really like talk to people anymore and so, right. like, yeah, the communication is down. And then with the abomination, it seems that, uh, you know, every time you, like, you know, you slice and dice an abomination, apparently it starts to, it starts to fall apart. So, right. uh, there's, uh, so we're starting to see w- strengths and weaknesses in all the covens, from what we can see, in all the all the mm-hmm. tracks. So, that's interesting to see. How, uh, one thing I'm interested to see is, like, you know, it will make the fight sequences more interesting. Like, uh, do you remember, like, uh, in, uh, when we saw, like, all the fights with, in Avatar, you know, between, like, you know, the earth, the wind, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the the fire and water and everything like that. And, you know, it had, like, you know, interesting dynamics to it. Like, uh, how it all kind of all, like, uh, you know, they all di- cancelled each other out in some ways and, you know, uh, in, in different aspects and made the fights more interesting. You know, I think I'm hoping that's that's what's going to do. The fact that you have even more introducing, you know, like uh, maybe the uh, the fights that we see in here could probably even be, you know the jewels that we see could even be more interesting than some of the Avatar ones that we've seen. You know. Yeah, that that should be really interesting, and uh, I also really like the direction that they went with Avatar in terms of their strengths and weaknesses, where we got to know that the strength of water bending is more powerful around nighttime with the moon and in the sun for the fire benders, where they get their strength because of the the heat of the sun, and with air bending, where it's a little bit more of a defense kind of thing. Earth bending is more physical. So yeah, I, I definitely do like that, and I hope that we get more of that with the extra covens, like 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 seeing the weakness of the construction, or um, seeing the weakness of the beast coven, or seeing the weakness of you know all the other ones. I, I'm I'm really curious about all uh, you know where we get to see more of it later on in the series. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're introduced to well, we were introduced uh, originally to uh, the head of the, uh, the the Bard Coven, but so we didn't really you know uh, get too acquainted. But uh, we now find out that uh, the uh, leader of the uh, of the the Bards against the throne is actually the leader of the Bard Coven herself. So it's uh, themselves, I should say. Yeah. By the way, apologies, guys. Uh, I mean, uh, Morgan Terry also apologized for this as well, but uh, we may ex- accidentally, like, you know, misuse pronouns here. 
So uh, do apologise for that in advance. But uh, yeah, so we find out who this person is, and it turns out that uh, the person who's leading the um, the 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 bards against the throne is uh, Rain themselves. So well, there yeah. you go. And I think that with uh, Rain and Ida having a backstory where there used to be old friends and uh, Ida used to help Rain with their confidence and then eventually Rain started doing some more research about the Emperor's plans around the time when they were a teacher of the Bard's Coven. And so then eventually they climbed up into the ladder where they themselves became the leader. And so... Uh, Rain decided to take advantage of this by, you know, not only knowing the plans of Emperor Bellos, saying, okay, this is what my plan is going to be. I'm going to use all of the witches and get them in their respective coven so that we can have enough power for the Day of Unity. And so Rain was against this, and so they decided to put together this um, rebellious group, which one of them, by the way, was the one who wrote the fan fiction about the vegetables. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so Ida decides to help them because Ida is feeling emptiness syndrome. I mean, Ida has come a long way since episode one where she was just this independent, rebellious witch who didn't really care about anybody. But now that she's become more of a mother figure for Luce and King, and she was worried about... Um, you know, Luce leaving her because, you know, she's working on the, you know, finding about the, the portal to get home. And then when, you know, throughout the episode, King was mentioning about how he wants to use this contest so that he can be able to be on TV to find his dad. And he was about to say something about, like, I want to tell um, Ida something, and we don't know what it is until later on. So Ida is like, you know what? I mean, I don't, you know, they're, they're essentially going to be um, having their own lives without me. So why not pair up with my old friend so that we can be able to take down um, Emperor Bellows and free off the witches who have not been in covens. Yeah. So um, you could say that uh, she uh, um, becomes an agent of chaos in all of this, uh, which she describes herself as. So she comes up with the plans of like trying to free all the wild witches that they're gathering up and uh, getting them out of the city. And so uh, we, uh, I think maybe, I mean, we only saw like one instance of this. I mean, I think it's in implied that they did this multiple times from what I can they see. They probably... They probably did, because there were, like, three um, raids that they were going to do, and they did all three of them. So, I don't know if they did multiple ones, but I think so far they did the three, and I'm sure that they were going to do more had things not turned for the worse for them. Yeah. So, things do turn for the worse for them, so they're lured into a trap by uh, two of the uh, coven heads, and uh, so the, uh, the pretty much uh, three of the, uh, the people who are in the bats you know, group who are captured and sent back to the conformatorium. And the only people yes. who are left are basically, you know, uh, Rain and uh, Anita at this point. And so um, uh, Rain, in a last-ditch attempt uh, to uh, get rid of uh, two of the coven heads, decides to use Ida's uh, curse to try and, uh, you know, imprison them in, like, uh, in, in this dark abyss. So, uh, but uh, but whilst they're in no, the... No, By no, the way, the... Uh, the not, not, not just, like, trap them kill them yeah because we saw we saw what happened with the plant and we saw what happened with the piece of paper when Ida was trying to play the music he was intending on not only killing the two coven heads so that emperor bellows would delay his plan for the day of unity but well not do it at all willing... that's that's the point so like they were lost the coven head so therefore they couldn't do anything so, exactly, but not only that, but they were willing to sacrifice their lives for this. Yeah, and you know Ida what? I'm kind of like, glad that that didn't happen because, like, uh, you remember when um, in um, ex escaping expulsion, when Alador suggested that uh, you know Amity Blight might make a good coven head one day, 
Like, uh, yes. I was expecting, like, oh, uh, uh, at one point I was thinking, oh, Darius is going to die, you know, because they're going to kill him off in this in this instance, and then that's going to propel Amity to be, like, you know, uh, to be, like, the head of the coven. I know it sounds bizarre, but it's kind of like, oh, well, or maybe, I don't know, maybe even Alador might have even become it. I don't know. But, uh, well, like... I mean, Darius, uh, Darius has some beef with Alador. I don't know why, but uh, Darius does not like Alador's designs of the Abomination soldiers. Yeah. Probably because he can do, a, you know, Abomination naturally, and, like, uh, maybe Alador's more mechanical with it. Maybe. I guess that's true, yeah. Yeah. So... But, but, it's, but it's kind of hilarious and ironic that Darius would be the head of the Abominations, considering he doesn't like to get himself dirty. Yeah, that's kind of weird. But, uh, mind you, like, his whole hair's abomination. So, like, uh... I, I don't know what to tell you, but... Yeah, yeah I, I just find it's like, dude, you're working with, like, this giant goop monster, and you don't like getting dirty with mud. It's like, uh, okay, sure. I don't know, maybe abomination goo would probably be different. I'm not too sure. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so, um... So basically, they they play. By the way, the the whole sequence of them playing their music and uh, trying to like curse like the the forest that they're in. That that whole thing is beautiful. Like absolutely. Uh, yeah, they they knocked it out of the park doing that whole thing. And the just, music was amazing as well. It matched so well with the visuals. Yeah, but we also get to the point where you know they they themselves not only are they cursing the forest, but they're cursing themselves at the same time. So they can literally like you know kill themselves doing this. So yes. um, they uh, uh, Ida says she wants to go through with it anyway. And then uh, but uh, while it's going on, the uh, the photograph of uh, her. King and uh, lose a uh, Grom falls out of her hair, and uh, Rain catches a glimpse of it, and she basically uh, sorry, and uh, they say that um, oh wait, you've got kids. It's like oh well, they're, they're kind of not my kids, you know. Ida goes, and uh, then uh, Rain says, no, you need to, you know, you need to go, and you need to be supported of them, and uh, so, and they will find another way of defeating them together. But uh, while saying that, um, they get captured by Darius, and. Uh, but uh, then there's this really, uh, you know, heartbreaking moment where um, Ida is uh, gonna is attaching herself to the tree to try and stop her from being dragged in, and uh, she tries to keep hold of Rain, but Rain says, "No, I don't like having an audience," and she and uh, Rain lets go of Ida and gets captured yeah. by you know the Coven. But mind you, she does fight him off. Which is uh, which is pretty cool, but uh, then you know uh, the buzzkill of uh, of the episode, Kikimura uh, jumps in and uh, basically ends up, uh, and then we find out that basically these these things they're putting on their arms, they're effectively like th this is. Uh, I guarantee everybody, this is some Orwellian shit here. It really is. Like um, the uh, Kikimura is using the uh, these little like you know, patches that are on people's arms and uh, are using them basically to control them. Or capture yes. them, or whatever. Like, that's some disturbing... And mind you, I can see that playing out. And, like, uh, I can see, like, uh, you know... Imagine if, like, if, like, there's a whole fight, and, like, you've got, like, you know, uh, Luz, Gus, Willow, Amity. Like, I can see Kikimura, like, you know, you know uh, holding down, like, all the other witches, and uh, then just having, like, a one-on-one -on -one fight with Luz. And, like, and this whole thing's just gripping. You know, I, I can see it. That, that, yeah. that whole thing. But, uh, so, um... You know, but putting that aside, uh, so that happens. Ida escapes and uh, gets back to the Grand Prix, and uh, to find that uh, unfortunately Luz has not managed to win it, and she comes fifth. She comes fifth. 
and it's yeah, ends and up. Gavin, Gavin was the one who won, by the way. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, uh, what happens is that uh, you know, obviously, um, King is really upset about it, but uh, uh, Ida decides to pull out a scroll, which is like a per phone, and says, uh, "You know what? Uh, you know, no one watches the crystal balls anyway. Streaming is where it's at." So she live streams on her uh, Pentagram uh, uh, channel. That she account that she has, uh, uh, King saying you know, giving a message out to uh, his father, and that's watched by everybody all over the Boiling Isles, including a particular character. And uh, you know, let's talk about this guy for a second. This character who apparently is living in some kind of like uh, you know um, travel thing or something like that. Like uh, he uh, he looks a lot like King, but we're not too sure if he's actually his dad or not. You know? Yeah, we don't know. Like, we don't know if it's his father. We don't know if it's a, a family member or maybe, like, part of his kind. I mean, it just definitely looks like King with the eyes and the shape of the head and the horns. He's just a lot bigger with, like, wings and stuff like that. So, yeah, he, he definitely has, like, um, you know, he he's, he's like, has, a, like, a traveling cart. And we and it's close over to the Boiling Isles, which means it's not, like, in a faraway place uh, or even in, like, another land. So he's clearly watching this, and he sees that King is making this um, uh, post on Pentagram. And so maybe he'll play into a later episode we're not sure but yes we do have that little clip of possible foreshadowing of what's going to happen in the future mm -hmm. but the one thing that i do appreciate about this moment uh with you know the whole you know ida rushing over to help rain as well as Luz doing the race is i'm glad they didn't do the cliche two-sided um, story in which, number one, you know, Ida has to miss out Luce's race and maybe Luce won and she was disappointed that Ida wasn't able to watch her win. Or number two, Luce saw that Ida and Rain were in danger and so she had to go and, you know, throw off the race so she can rescue them. I'm glad they didn't go into that direction because that would have been the easiest thing that they could have done. I thought that was the direction they were going to go into. I thought. I'm glad that they didn't. Yeah. So, um, but here's the thing about this. Going back to this character that we don't know too much about, whether it's his dad or whether it's King's dad or not, we're not too sure. I mean, did you look at, like, the cart that he's currently going around? It has, like, an eyeball that like, kind of reminds me of, like, the portal door. Yeah, it's it's very strange looking, and I guess you know this person was like constantly traveling, so they were never in like one specific spot. Yeah. And maybe that eye is meant to like keep an eye on like travelers, or maybe you know not being captured by maybe, but like uh, there might be a possibility that maybe he might have something to do with building the portal door. Hmm, that could be a possibility. Like, maybe, I mean, we don't even know how old this monster thing is, so maybe he could have helped out Philip Wittebane to make the portal door. Who knows? Well, may maybe his ancestors might have done. Keep in mind, like, uh, this is like, you know, he, he comes from the 1800s. So, no, it was the yeah, it was 1800s, wasn't it, that Philip Wittebane? No, okay, we, we got this wrong, by the way. Uh, we looked up the, um, the episode pictures, and it turned out it was the 1600s. 1600s, the 1800s. right, okay, then, so. Uh, that's that's interesting. So, uh, mind you, um, 1600s is uh, a pretty interesting uh, area because I'm pretty sure the 1600s is when the witches' trials were taking place. You know, yes. like uh, yeah, Matthew that's Hopkins. Exactly right. Yeah, because I, I was looking, I was looking at this as well. So uh, yeah, Matthew Hopkins was uh, the witches' trials were going on between like uh, the 16, between 19 in the 1600s and the 1800s. 
that this was going yes. on uh, at that point. So uh, maybe might, maybe that might tie into that uh, in some point. So like, uh, I have a fan theory about like, uh, um, you know, um, you know, you were telling me about Metal Gear Solid. You know, like uh, when yes. we were having that discussion before. Like, you know, like there was like, you know, before, you know, obviously what happened with Solid Snake and say there was like Big Boss and like everything that else happened before then. Like, you know, yes. it, it makes me wonder, like, uh, I could see, you know, like, uh, some, like, a uh, guy from, like, the past, like, you know, uh, getting, like, in front of, like, uh, you know, Luz and, like, you know, uh, Ida and, like, uh, everybody else and saying, you know, this all started with a bunch of old fools and now all these old fools have passed away. You know, like, <laughs> I, 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 no, seriously, I could, I could see something like that similar happening. Like, you know, oh, you know, if uh, Matthew Hopkins had gone round, you know, and taken advantage of, like, the English Civil War and, like, you know, started executing all these witches and forced witches to, like, you know, flee to the Boiling Isles, none of this would have happened. You know, like, um, uh, it all started at this point at this at zero, and now I'm going to turn zero into nothing. But, yeah. uh, you know, like, uh, I could see something like that, you know, taking place. But, uh, Anyway, we're all over the show at the moment. Like, uh, yeah, there's so many possibilities. Yeah, you know, funnily enough, like, uh, it was a pretty straightforward episode that would, like, you know, expanded on Eda and expanded on King and expanded on, like, on a few other things. But, you know, it, it kind of, like, makes you really, you know, have a massive thing about all the other stuff that's tied into this as well. Like, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it really does make you, you know, want to think about more about this show. Uh, but, uh, so, we, we get to that point where, you know, this is all shared around and, uh, so uh, we end up with that character, and um, you know that we don't know if he's going to be King's dad or not. But uh, I'm sure we're going to find out soon enough. By the way, it looks to me like uh, you know whatever's happening to Amity is not happening to Amity. I think she's pretty much okay at this point because you can see her that so you know she's watching like. Uh, also, she's getting on really well with her siblings, which is uh, which is interesting. Uh, we we did see that in the last episode where uh, she was getting along with. Um, you know the the siblings, and I think that that's definitely going to be playing a lot more once the series happens. But yeah, they, they were just starting off as like jerks who made fun of Amity in like season one, but then season two they got a lot closer. Which you know that just goes well, to show. You all, I mean, you, know, uh, you mean you keep in mind like if you remember the conversation about you know, Amity saying she's feeling things that she never really felt, and uh, then uh, you know uh, uh, Emma turns around to her and says, uh, "Well, you know, is that such a bad thing? I mean, like you were you were like really upset before, and now you're really and now you're starting to be happy again." You know, like, uh, so I think that's kind of like why what plays into why they were so mean to her before because the, she was kind of mean to them back. So, uh, uh, I mean, it, it's it's hard to say, yeah, but, but I, I think that's the reason why what took place took place. I mean, like, uh, you know, keep in mind, like, Edric and Emma were like were my least favorite characters, you know, when we first met them, <laughs> pretty much. Like, I didn't really get out of the context of that, but now that more story is kind of like been leveled up, it's like it kind of gives me more of an understanding of why they were kind of at each other's throats at one point. You know, and uh, now yeah, they're not. I guess, I guess that's true, and and also to to the fact that I, I I have a really strong feeling that they were like really loved more by their mom as opposed to Amity, where you know she was like told that she had to do this and this and that. So yeah, yeah there, there's also another factor, which is kind of strange because like uh, you know they ended up in the illusion track, you know, like uh, they didn't end up following like in the footsteps of their parents, if you keep in mind. That's true. Yeah. They they did end up as illusionists as opposed to abominations. Yeah. So. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, unless we missed anything. I think that's pretty much the episode. Um, so. yeah, I, I think that the direction. Oh, hang on a second. This... We we missed something. We missed something. Yeah, um, King drops the bombshell that he's changing his name to King Clawthon. 
Oh yeah, that's right. The the, the major plot twist in the end, where yeah. you know, Edith thought that he King was leaving her when in reality he was going to be adopted with her. Yeah, and so Edith just goes into this massive wail. <laughs> I think she's like she's the person that's like cried the hardest so far. I think in season two. <laughs> oh, good grief. So. Well, I mean, that just goes to show you that a lot of people were influenced or had had their lives changed thanks to Luce. And with Ida, it's like, man, you know, going off from, you know, you, 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 she was like treating King as like, oh, you know, you're just a roommate who pays the bills. And now, you know, it's essentially her son. It's like, wow, that's definitely like how the show has progressed. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that last bit, uh, that was the episode. There's... there's- yeah, there, that's the episode, but there's also one more thing that we need to bring up. I so, was that. Uh, okay, Disney promotional, uh, the Disney promotional website has revealed what episodes uh, nine and ten are going to be called. And okay, it it was leaked around for quite a while, but now it's been officially confirmed. So, episode nine is going to be called Eclipse Lake, where Lewis is sick with the common mold, and Ida, Amity and King are going to be finding something to help Luce out. And then episode 10 uh, is called Yesterday's Lie, where it's involving with Luce trying to get the pieces together to see if she can get the portal to go back home, and then something unexpected happens. So, yes, those are the episodes that are going to be out for uh, the next few weeks. Next week's episode is going to be about Hootie, which uh, I'm actually curious to see how they're going to f- continue to progress the story with this. Well, interesting about knock, knock, knocking on Hootie's door is that uh, the thumbnail that there seems to be going with is uh you know uh Ida confronting the uh the owl beast again i'm not sure if you've seen that, that. i mean yeah i have seen that and i'm i'm wondering if maybe hootie will be like the main and you know protagonist like saving the day because the synopsis says that hootie is helping out Ida, loose and king with all their problems so i'm actually curious about how that's going to turn out yeah it's just it's uh it seems interesting i don't know if it's going to be the fact that uh, i mean i'm looking at the owl beast and it kind of i don't know like it's all in color which is kind of strange like you know like uh, i don't know if it's maybe something you know crazy happens maybe like you know hootie becomes the owl beast himself i'm not sure like, I don't know. Uh, that'd be that'd be kind of kind of interesting, but uh, yeah. So uh, we've uh, also uh, this was leaked as well, and that is that we find out that uh, Amity's palisman is going to be a cat. It's what? a white cat, which looks a lot like Dana Terrace's cat. Yeah. So it's uh, that. Mind you, that doesn't surprise me. Like uh, no, you know, it doesn't. Yeah. Like uh, it, it also is a lifelong companion as well. So like uh, that cat's going to be around. For <laughs> I was like, you know, uh, yeah. So, uh, well, we imagine, like, you know, when she's an older age, it's kind of like, uh, you know, she's living on the earth, she's on the earth now with Luz, and it's kind of like, uh, hey, you know, uh, you know that crazy cat lady with a, you know, with a cat, like, uh, I think she's a witch. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, what gives you that idea? It's like, you know, well. So. Well, there you go. There you go. Let's talk about Knock Knock Knocking on Hootie's Door. So, uh, The Owl House, uh, Season 2, Episode 8. Everyone thought this was going to be a filler episode. That was what yes. the attitude of this was going in. Oh, boy, was everyone wrong. <laughs> was everyone <laughs> so, so wrong. And I leave with four things to discuss in this episode. Um, the first one is that Hootie is probably now our most complex character in the show. I think. Wow. I just that that's incredible. 
that we walk over, that we walk through that. Like, you know, we all thought that the only way he was going to, like, say he's somewhat stable, and maybe it might be the fact that, you know, um, Lulu or Lilith is still playing a part in Hoodie, kind of, like, still kind of, like, you know, somewhat holding together, obviously not so well, obviously now that she's gone away, and uh, maybe now Hoodie is uh, being a bit more mature about things, maybe, just overreacting in certain places, which I think we're going to get in this episode. But, uh, yeah, like, he, right in this episode, is the story driver of this. He's even the narrator of, of yes. this episode through uh, writing his uh, letter back to letter. By the way, um, he may not be able to hold a pen, but he can type with a typewriter. So yes, that, that's what very we've, clever. That's why he was actually that. So he's going to be our episode master, I guess you could say, through this. And so we go through the intro after that. So then, the, the one thing I really like about this episode, it's kind of like, uh, 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 like a uh, you know the, uh, the 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 classic cartoons that we used to have, where it's like it's like five minute like you know segments of like you know yes. oh, here's an episode. It's kind of like Cow and Chicken in a way. Kind of like oh here's you know then. Super Cow saving the day in this particular episode, and then we get, you know, like an I Am Weasel kind of thing, and then after that we get another episode, like, you know, say about, you know, the Ugliest Weenie, something like that, you know. They're kind of segmented off in that kind of way, in like a classic 90s style, you know, I would say, uh, telling within, like, you know, Hootie kind of telling, like, the different kind of chrono- chronicled events. So, the first event that we get is that um, the King Clawthorn, as he's now known as, seems to be going through demon puberty. At the moment, so yes. uh, he's going through that. But D- King is going through a crisis because he doesn't know what type of demon he is, which you know is, right. uh, I guess, in a way, is sort of maybe kind of confused me a little bit to begin with. Because I mean, isn't King supposed to kind of like be like uh, an expert in like what demons are in a way? Yeah, but he doesn't. I mean, he, he even has like a whole encyclopedia of it. But even with season one, as you guys remember, with the Snaggleback, where he thought it was like a big you know, scary monster, but then we find out it's just a little tiny turtle-looking monster. So, I mean, I think that even with the, the encyclopedia that King has is a little bit stretchy. I mean, it, it's like with, like, you know, old, you know, books of lore in which, like, they would talk about, like, all these types of monsters where they would just be focusing on, like, legends and, you know, uh, possible um hypothesis of what they would be so i don't know if king probably got like an older version of the of it from the library i'm not sure hmm. so um i mean maybe what D- king probably knows is probably maybe the bare basics of demons maybe he probably doesn't know complexities of like you know uh types of demons or like uh, he doesn't know because in this episode he kind of doesn't know what himself is like, you know, maybe he's no. probably learned more since then. So, um, the... He basically only knows the bare basics. So, Hoodie himself being, you know, a demon house, uh, pretty much, where, uh, takes King and uh, he takes him into his basement, and uh, uh, which kind of shows... Kind of, and when I first saw that, I was like, "Are we going into Saw right now?" <laughs> like uh, it was kind of like kind of creepy kind of vibe to it. But then we we learn that um, Hoodie is going to try and reveal what King actually is. So um, there's three types of demons that we learn about. There's the insectoid type of demon. There's the beast kind of demons, and I forgot what the second what the second one was. Uh, by by uh, Bidel. By by okay by so. Um, so they try the first one, which is the insect one, but he obviously doesn't match it to that at all. And uh, then, yep. so then he tries the second one, which uh, these types of demons can actually do types of magic. So uh, uh, yeah. bring in um, uh, Dana Terrace's doppelganger <laughs> for yeah, tiny uh, nose. Yeah. Tiny nose. So uh, she ends up trying to doing magic on King, and he ends up getting roughed up because of that. So obviously that's a no as well. So then we go through the third one, where you know uh, Tiny Nose seems to now have, has acquired 
a medical license and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, was attracting King, bits of King's blood. And so they try to figure out if he's actually part of the beast uh, um, uh, type of demon. So then they end up on the roof and uh, they decide to have like pretty much a rap party to discover that uh, King, the type of demon that he is, is just him. So <laughs> we went through all of that and nothing was achieved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, then, you know, King... he's saying like, "You are you," and you know, there. And then he was talking about like, "We we tested your blood results, and it was inconclusive. So you're just king." So yep. there you go. So uh, King does not take well to that. He ends up yelling out, but then finds out that he can actually destroy things with his voice. Yeah, uh, kind of like a loud sonic screech, which was actually pretty cool. Yeah, it makes me wonder: is he going to go for like a Jack Jack face? You know, from The Incredibles, where like he like demonstrates like different types of powers, and like then eventually I would love settles that with one. So oh. much, that would be so cool. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like he's going to be shape shifting and teleporting, and like he's going to uh, be having laser vision. Laser he's going to be vision. turning into stone. He's going to be turning into a feral demon. Oh my goodness! Like uh, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of possibilities with with King now, and so that's a happy bit that came out of that segment. Like he he can yell at stuff now and just destroy things. Like, you know, like, yeah. uh, do you know, it would be hilarious if, like, uh, you know, um, I don't know if, uh, like, if one of the characters, like, uh, they, like, lose their staff or, like, isn't able to do magic, so they just pick King up and just, like, like you know, use him as a gun <laughs> just start destroying <laughs> stuff. Oh, that, w- that would be hilarious to see that. Yeah, like, kind of like how Hootie used, uh, was used by uh, Lilith to shoot out the potions. Special delivery. Pain. Pain. <laughs> uh, so that that's that segment so we learned something more about king he can do powers so like uh, he's uh, obviously got some kind of like uh, yeah, sonic boom or something like that so like <laughs> sonic boom <laughs> wow oh so, my gosh okay so that's the first segment out of the way so who do you think he's failed in that regard but uh, it really hasn't so he tries a second time this time it's to, it's to muck around with Ida's uh, relation with the owl beast inside of her I mean, yes. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Everything. Yeah. So, um, who do you make some magic cookies, which are uh, got some like sleeping nettles on them, and uh, then Ida falls to sleep, and uh, then she ends up in obviously the world which she encompasses in the world with the uh, the Albies living in it, and she goes through like some memories. By the way, we get to meet Ida's dad. In this. Yeah, and uh, we now get to learn about where the red hair came from, from both uh, Lilith and Ida. Yeah, and mind you, there's a bit of a gory bit in this, because the Owl Beast attacks, um, uh, her, you know, Ida morphs into the Owl Beast as a young age and starts attacking her dad, and ends up gouging yeah, his eye, and, gouging and his eye out. Yeah, and all he's trying to do is, like, make a celebration. It's like, hey, I'm going over to the Mandate, and he just pulls out, like, a little bit of, um, you know, one of those, like, uh, celebration crackers, and then Ida reacts to it horribly, and so we saw the Owl Beast scratching her dad's eye, and there was blood coming out of it, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, there was blood. Wow. Gravity falls, so I mean, I don't think we should be surprised here. I don't think so. I'm mean, okay, fair enough, but you know, something this graphic, like right away, it's like okay, you know, this happened. Yeah. So the, wow. This is one thing I, I think. I think we'll say, say this position at the end of the show, but I think this show is progressing far quicker than say, you know, Shira Princess of Power or you know, uh, the Gravity Falls itself. I think at this point, 
Like, you know, they, well, I, mean, they, we, I mean, a lot of people can make the argument that, you know, Dana Terrace knew that she was going to have this amount of seasons and, you know, the the season two was going to be like the last full season because season three was the well, three forty five minutes. From what she specials. told me, from, from what, I, from what uh, I remember from her live stream, I think she I think the season three shortening came as a surprise to everyone. I think so. Oh, yeah, I think that's right. They got uh, to season two, but then they were told, oh, you're, you're going to have like uh, three TV specials and then that's going to be it. You know, oh so, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think uh, so. Basically, they're gonna have to wrap up the entire show in these three in these three segments. Which you know, um, if I think it's really unfair, I would have said, look, two TV movies. I would have said, I think, rather than like you know, forty minute specials. I would have said, like you know, have have like an, have like two hours, have like, have like an hour and a half to like wrap everything up in, and there you go. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. surely you can do it within three hours. I, 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 I yeah, you know, yeah, like, absolutely, I yeah. Thought. But you know, uh, so. With that, um, you know, uh, moving on to you know the through the Eda segment, it's, uh, so she looks like she has this really massive freakout, which would not be out of place in like you know, uh, 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 you know, a, a, a Roger Waters or a Pink Floyd movie <laughs> at this point. Oof. Good grief! It was it was all over the show. This and uh, then we get introduced to well, apparently this this mysterious character with the moon for a face uh, apparently was someone who tried to capture Eda. From the looks of it, yeah. And, so, and this this person has a name. Apparently, he's called the Collector. So, the Collector. Like, yeah. Maybe working for Bellows or something. Well, hopefully, no reference to the Marvel movies. But uh, I mean, like, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, like, is uh, what has he got? Uh, has he got what's what's, what's his face? Uh, you know, um, oh, you know, you know, his name. You should explain. Uh, oh, uh, Thingy the Duck. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Howard, Howard the, the duck. duck. Yeah, he's got Howard the Duck in his collection too. Like, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, but if, if Howard the Duck turns up in the Owl House, like, yep, it's like, yeah, you know, this is a Disney property. <laughs> like, uh, oh, jeez, you know. And next, we're gonna have the Owl House in the next Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. I Why write not? it off. You know, like, you know, like, if um, the the one thing, like, if they did it, like, uh, as like the very last thing of like the Owl House, where they had like all the like uh, the uh, the Disney like you know uh, protagonists out of like all the shows come together to like fight Bellows. Like oh, if I well, if I, if I, I should say there's something I actually want to talk about between Bowers and Kiki Mori at the end of the show, but we'll we'll talk we'll talk about that later on. But uh, um, so we go for Ida. She's um uh has this freak out pretty much in a dream. She then ha- finds that the uh, the owl beast is now um, weakened and is now trying to fly away from Ida, but uh, he, he can't. Which is interesting. It makes me wonder: is the owl beast itself also an entity? That used to exist, but now has been like morphed into Eater because of the because of the curse. Maybe that's like, a good question. I don't know. Yeah, and maybe they just kind of like bonded together out of this curse. Maybe maybe there's a way to unbound them. I don't know. So I don't like, know. No. I mean, they, they. I mean, we've seen in like the previous episodes that you know the um, the potion coven and the healing coven had tried many times of what they can do with this curse, and they don't know what it is. I mean, we even saw in one of the dream sequences that the curse came by in that that role, uh, that form that, you know, Lilith purchased. It, you know, came from the ocean, and then it just landed in the sea, and then the guy just picked it up and put it in the trash. So there's like, okay, so it came from this, the ocean somewhere? Like, maybe somebody threw it out, hoping that it would never be found, and then... Maybe, you know, the guy who was picking it up, maybe just ended up somewhere in the market and then Lilith just purchased it. And I don't, that, that just brings up so many questions. It does, yeah. doesn't it? 
So um, yeah, and, and then and then there's this really sad moment where we see um, Ida with Rain, and you know, um, Rain is like saying, "I don't know how much I can do this anymore. You're not telling me anything. I think we're done." It's like they were dating at one point. Which, oh yeah, they you know, were. The I, I, I always here's the thing about this. Everyone got really upset about over this. I got to be honest with everybody though. I kind of knew they broke up. Like, uh, they, they must have done. Like, you know, I highly doubt, you know, Rain would have just kind of, like, just parted ways, just, you know, just said, see ya. And, like, they'd never seen each other again for, like, years on end. Like, uh, I, I knew something had happened, I, I thought. I mean, and from the looks of it, I'm sure that Rain would have, you know, been helpful with the curse at some point. Like, maybe try to calm it down with, you know, their music, but... I mean, Ida was, like, saying, you know, I don't need your help, you know, go away, and then Rain was like, fine, I'll just leave, and I'll just join the, you well, know, she didn't the exactly bar. Say that. She said, oh, there's no problem here, but obviously Rain knew that she wasn't telling the truth, and so she couldn't do that anymore, which, uh, yeah. I don't know, like, uh, anyway, we'll go, we'll go, I've got another question about that later on with uh, with this other segment, but anyway, let's just continue with Ida, because, if, by the way, the, these sort of segments are complex. To say, to say the least. Yeah, you, you need, if you don't watch this episode by now, you need to. You seriously do. So, Ida um, and this owl beast are now bounded together, and uh, she finds that, you know, the owl beast doesn't need, like, you know, punishing. It just needs taking care of, from the looks of it. So, uh, she ends up feeding some of the elixir to the owl beast, and then all of a sudden they uh, kind of, like, you know, morph together. And now, so at this point, here's how I see Ida. I see her kind of like the Incredible Hulk. You know, like, you know, you, you get her, round her up a little bit, she's going to turn into the Albies, and you're, you're you're basically fucked. But uh, if you, um, it looks like now, the beast within Ida and, you know, Ida herself have now come to kind of like this, uh, this middle. And now, uh, I kind of compare Ida to the Incredible Hulk. Where you know, like she'll be Bruce Banner at one point, and then the uh, the incredible, then the Incredible Hulk at the other, and then if you remember in the Incredible Hulk, there's this kind of like this intermediate between like the 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 Beast within Bruce Banner and like Bruce Banner himself, and there's kind of like this Grey Hulk that kind of like uh, yes, is in the middle. Uh, we so, we so, saw that in uh, we saw that in Avengers Endgame. Yeah, exactly. So now we have the Grey. So this is kind of like you know the Owl House's version of the Grey Hulk, I would imagine. So either yeah, the Owl so have now, uh, together, and now they're kind of like she's kind of like this uh, this um, Owl Lady. So yeah. She is literally Ida the Harpy Lady. Harpy Lady. So, yeah, so uh, she's now basically made up. But uh, um, who do you see that and freaks out, even though Ida loves it? <laughs> and we like it, too. I think it's cool. But I uh, think it looks awesome. I think it does, yeah. She's like, she's a superhero. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's incredible. Yeah, it, she's almost like um, Hot Girl. Yeah. So, uh, Hootie freaks out, and so he decides to go for one last shot at trying to make people happy, and oh my goodness, does he pick the wrong one. Uh, oh my goodness, where do we begin? Okay, so, um, Hootie kidnaps Amity. <laughs> <laughs> Just go with us, okay? Uh, kidnaps Amity, and lures loose into the basement. And so, um, they meet up, and Amity is still apologetic about the kiss. That took place yes. in Flight Manor. And so she wants to kind of forget about it, but uh, they. Uh, Louise doesn't want to forget about it, and so she ends up trying to get uh, Amity out of the basement before, before she can do that. They fall deeper into the basement, and we find out there's actually a sub sub basement in this place. And. Uh, reasons. Yeah, and I gotta be honest with you, this kind of makes me question Hootie on so many levels. Like, he. Uh, I, I really don't know how to explain this to everybody, but. 
he basically is probably the biggest Lumity shipper out of, like, everybody, like, in the show and probably outside of the show. Because I Even kid you not... Even more so than Morgan. Probably more show than Morgan, yes. Because he constructed an entire tunnel of love based on Luz and Amity. <laughs> And oh we just God. sat here looking at, like, is this real? Like, <laughs> it, it was... Did a fan write this segment? Like, uh, 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 yeah. So... Wow. Luz goes through, like, all this awkwardness. But there's the thing about this. Amity actually likes it. Yeah. And it's like, and- so we've gone from, like, you know, top girl in the class, you know, hanging out with the bullies, you know, uh, challenge, you know, you know, stepping on King's Cupcake and, you know, uh, you know, uh, jousting lose in a witch's duel. We've gone all the way from that to a cheesy tunnel of love scene where Amity is growing bright red as, tom- as a tomato and loving every moment of it. And Luce was embarrassed with it because she said all of my other friends said that I was too cheesy and I don't want to be that. You know, she thinks that Amity is cool and classy and she wants to present herself that way. And she's when she sees the tunnel of love and all the letters like Hootie is shooting out with uh, dress up as Cupid saying, you know, uh, Amity be mine and Amity you are a cutie. She is embarrassed embarrassed with it and we, we saw this moment where amity when when Luce was trying to like take down everything and amity was just like really like upset yeah with it. That, i mean that. she had the same exact face as the grometheus form in grom Knight, where it was shaped like loose taking the letter loose would you go out to grom with me and tearing it up yeah. so with Luz, she's saying, oh, man, Amity's going to think I'm cheesy. I don't want this. But Amity's saying, wow, maybe Luz doesn't like me. And the whole tearing this thing down, she's feeling rejection. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing about this. Like, Amity has come leaps and bounds. Like, you would have thought she would have been freaking out at this point when all of that was going on. But, you know, she took it so well. Like, it was more Absolutely. just kind of like, you know, oh, it's disappointment. It is massive disappointment. And she kind of just wants to walk away and kind of, like, just... Uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe consoling her siblings about like what just happened, and uh, that was going to mm-hmm. take place. And so, Hootie has just has uh, taken that as the final straw, and basically, it looks like he's about to destroy the Owl House from the looks of it. So, yeah, uh, yeah which uh, is, um, you know, uh, so that all happens, and so um, King uh, it gets knocked off the uh, the top of the house. Ida comes to save the day, and so and uh, so if King's freaked out about what just happened. He's like, "Oh no, it's okay." Uh, for for Ida and then uh, Luz and Amity come out of the basement and they wonder what the hell's going on and are nearly crushed to death by part of the wall and so and it was only because uh, of King's um, new founded uh, you know voice shattering power that they're able to do that and that kind of creates a, another Lumity moment in itself pretty much yes so um, Ida then grabs hold of Hoodie trying to calm him down and trying to stop him from like destroying himself and everyone around him. And so, and while all that's going on, um, you know, uh, Luz and Amity, um, would you believe it? They put Lumity together in that whole segment. And now yes. it is official. 
And like, uh, and mind you, here's the thing about this, and you know, I really want to give this some, you know, some really good thoughts on what we just saw because, you know, this wasn't done for, you know, as a, like some kind of like, you know, poetic kind of way. It wasn't done in a romanticized kind of way. This was two dorky fourteen-year-old girls, you know, going through like an awkward phase, and they treated it just like that and made it authentic, and that's why it's so special to people. You know, yes. like it. it wasn't forced, it wasn't contrived, it was authentic, and it was awkward, and it was weird, and it was uncomfortable, and that's how it should be. Yeah, and they did a really good job of presenting this, and uh, you know, credit to the voice actors, actresses, by the way, they did an incredible job, yes. you know, putting these two yeah, together. Yeah, Sarah Nicole Robles and uh, Mae Whitman did a phenomenal job at this, like, yeah. portraying the awkward uncomfortableness of trying to reveal to your love, I like you, can you go on a date with me, and, you know, trying, like, all of these ways of expressing it, but not knowing if they're going to approve of it or not, yeah, that's real. Yeah, I don't want to make this too personal about you know me and Patricia. It kind of reminded me of us at the very beginning. You know, yeah, like, it did actually. It did, yeah. Like you know, it's uh, yeah, I still remember. Yeah, you know, well, uh, Highways of the Friend Zone will always be our favorite episode <laughs> of the Aaron <laughs> Matter Show. It really will be. But uh, you know, because you know, we were kind of like other. You know, here's the thing about this: like, there will be some Lumity fans who were a bit disappointed that it didn't like you know go all the way. Which you know, like to which I say, you know, they're 14. You know, give them give them a chance. You know, like, uh, it's, uh, you know, it is going to be awkward for them at the very beginning because this is a new learning experience for the both of them. You know, like, uh, they, they be, uh, the likelihood that Amity has ever been in a previous relationship is very minimal, to say the least. And to say that, you know, uh, let's not even talk about Luzer having, you know, a romantic relationship with anybody, given the fact where she was no. at the very beginning of season one. <laughs> let's rule that Absolutely out altogether. Absolutely not. I mean, they remember that Luz in the first season was the outcast, the weirdo, the one that everybody was saying, wow, you know, she's not like everybody else. And she was being sent to the principal's office because she would get in trouble of all of her show and tell presentations and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And everybody just didn't know what to do with her to the point in which her mom said, yeah, you need to go to normal camp. But here in the boiling aisles, she is seen as somebody unique and refreshing and loving and caring and supporting. And, you know, the fact that Amity, who was like this you know, stuck up, higher class person who was like raised to be the best of the best with the blights and had this huge reputation of, you know, keeping with dignity and all that kind of stuff and seeing somebody like Luz who's just like really out there. And it was like, wow, you know, there's somebody out there that I can be truly myself with. And I never knew I needed it. You know, I go back on this, uh, I go back through all my ships. That I, I have, like, you know, uh, I ship Fox and Crystal in Star Fox. I ship, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, um, what should we call it? Uh, Linguini Arnold and, and Helga. Uh, Arnold and Helga, yeah, and Linguini and Colette from Ratatouille and uh, various other ones. But, I mean, like, they all have, like, their quirks. I mean, um, I've got to be honest, uh, Helga and, Arnold and Helga, even though I do ship them, I think uh, if I had to choose a more realistic ship, I think that started off, I've got to be honest, I have to go with losing Amity. Like uh, that I, I agree 100%. Like the things that Helga and Arnold started in the 90s, Luce and Amity perfected it. Mm -hmm. Like think about it. The fact that they were bullies at the beginning, the fact that they were kind of awkward towards each other, the fact that they were starting to get closer to each other and they were starting to like learn about them and you know they they would be put into like these really awkward situations and then at the end bam, now they're dating. 
So, yeah. you know, we went through like all of this. I mean, you know, I, I'm going to say like a really unpopular opinion and I don't know how fans feel about this, but the episodes where Arnold and Helga were paired up together, where Helga was like being really mean to Arnold and all that kind of stuff. Those were actually some of my least favorite episodes because I just felt that, you know, the the fact that Helga was just being so mean to Arnold was just frustrating. But the stuff with Luce and Amity, I mean, sure, was kind of like that at first, but then it started to progress into where it is now. It's like, wow. Man, like if Arn Hey Arnold was ever brought back for maybe I, I I mean I know for like a season six I mean I hope that they go into this direction because it has just done so well like my goodness yeah so um but you know I again like we I, I don't want to this is the one thing about this like all all you know relationships are unique we shouldn't be comparing couples to one another that's that's not that's not a, sure, that's, sure. that's something we should really be doing but uh, I mean like but in regards to like storytelling and regards to believability I mean like uh, losing Amity are just like you know there's a reason Lumity is special I mean like uh, for a lot of people because they can they actually feel like it's authentic. You know, like, you got yes. two characters uh, who actually, like, uh, you know, uh, got off on, you know, I would say the wrong foot, and then, but they like, worked li- for... No, li- no, literally, like, they have a justified reason on why they shouldn't even like each other. Luz shouldn't like Amity because she was being really mean to Willow. She was the school bully who was just, like, pushing around people, saying that she's the best. You know, she's the top student. And then, um, you know, she was the one who was, like, being caused with all of this trouble. And Amity shouldn't be liking Luz because every time that they were together, Amity would get, um, you know, called to detention or be embarrassed. And all of that stuff is justifiable and real. It's like, yeah, there's a reason why you shouldn't like each other. And, you know, that episode, um, you know, Lost, uh, Lost in Language, where Amity was saying to Luz, why are you doing this? Oh, I know why. It's because you're a bully. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, with all the stuff that Luz had done, like causing Amity to be in detention and embarrassing herself at the convention when she wanted to be in the Emperor's Coven, it's like, yeah, she's justifiably called for uh, for loose to be the bully so absolutely so th- there's a reason why at the beginning you would think man like they shouldn't even be friends but no as time went on they understood each other they worked together in various situations they became friends and then that's t- you know as time goes on they now they're now they're dating each other and i'm like that's fantastic yeah so lumidy is now canon I think uh, that is yes. the uh, big takeaway, I think, uh, for anything like that. But, uh, you know, um, there was also other cool stuff, is it? Like, you know, King is becoming more powerful, and uh, Eda is now controlling, you know, the uh, the, the Owl Beast in, in a way. And uh, it looks like maybe they might go to the point where they might, uh, you know, wean her off the elixirs, maybe. So uh, that, that could be a thing, too. So, yeah, what, what? like maybe she's not taking it as much, and who knows? Maybe Ida will share this information for Lilith so that she can become she she can become a Harvey lady. Well, I mean, keep in mind, Hootie's uh, writing the letter to Lilith to uh, to send That's it over, right. so she will eventually find out about it. So, uh, you oh know, yeah, I mean, I mean how I don't cool know would that be? Like, like Ida's, quick... Ida's in a fight, and uh, she's just about to lose, and then all of a sudden Lilith comes in, and she's like her own version of like you know the uh, the harpy lady, like you know like yeah uh, yeah, it's gonna yeah, that would be kind of cool to see. So uh, yes, two harpy ladies taking down Emperor Bellows. That would be awesome. Okay, well, actually, let's get into that because um, there's a theory that's going around, which I actually find it kind of interesting. Um, maybe Emperor Bellows is not the main antagonist of the show. Oh, who do you think is the main antagonist? Kiki Mora. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, because we have been seeing Kiki more and more prominent in the late in the later episodes. Like we saw her in the last episode where um, you know, she was, you know, talking to Emperor Bellos and she wants to be like the one on top and you know, she's giving all um the you know, the jealousy traits because Emperor Bellas is more connected over to Hunter, which uh, we know now is, you know, his nephew. And then in the last episode where we saw that Kikimura was with the Abomination Soldier and, you know, she captured Rain. So, wow, maybe you're right. Uh, there's part of me that believes that maybe she's pulling the strings. Like, maybe the, she's maybe she's the reason why Emperor Bellas has, the, has uh, you know, is turning into that Wendigo creature. Maybe. Possibly. Also, that thing on her head's controlling, and maybe that's her palisman. Maybe that thing on her head—that's controlling, uh, you know, those uh, those things on their arms. So, like, uh, that's that's wow. thing as well. That, that, it, you, it, you might be right. Yeah, I, maybe the final showdown isn't going to be between Luz and Bellas. Maybe the final showdown is going to be between uh, Luz and uh, and uh, Kikimura. Maybe. Or maybe Kikimura will maybe stab Emperor Bellos in the back, and then she'll take over. That likely it is, yeah. Maybe in the Day of Unity when that happens, like uh, maybe that's yeah, when she like the Day of Unity when that happens, when Emperor Bellos maybe when he's at his most weakness, and then you know he tries to pull off one last thing, and then Kikimura like comes by, and then she like tosses him aside, and then she's like, "I'm the one who's powerful. You will respect me." Hmm. Like, oh, there's another thing to it as well. Like, you know, in, like, all the stained glass scenes, like, you know, where in, like, the final, like, in the final episode in season one, like, yeah. uh, or I think it was actually before then, it was, uh, you know, you look in the stained glass, the, uh, the, 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 like, the, the more powerful bits in, uh, in, in the stained glass is actually, like, uh, with, like, a hand grasping over, like, this, like, power orb. You know, like, mm. uh, so, you know, she controls a hand dragon, she's got a hand for her head. You know, like, uh, maybe that probably might be the thing. That might be that. Who knows? So, uh, but uh, anyway, wrapping up this, sorry to kind of like go away from the episode, but uh, uh, just to wrap up the episode. So, Hoodie's now feeling good because he's actually managed to fix things pretty much uh, for uh, the King, Ida, and, you know, uh, the uh, for, for Lumidi as well. But uh, unfortunately, he's now been told never to help out anybody ever again. <laughs> so uh maybe maybe he's done enough damage maybe for for one episode so i uh, mean yes but his intentions were pretty good i mean just like when you know when lilith you know first enters into the owl house and you know she wanted to be left alone and then you know he said uh you know a good friend would stay away but a better friend would be there no matter what and you know look what the relationship that you know hootie and lilith have i mean they're still pen pals and they're still connecting with each other and look at all the help that you know hootie did you know he was able to help um ida get a much more better control of the elf beast he was able to help king release powers that he never knew that he had and he was able to help loose and amity come together so you know what yes his intentions were very 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 extreme but they've done wonders at the end yeah uh, by the way we see the kind of like uh, demon character that we saw at the very end of uh, the last episode uh, delivering an ep- uh, a letter to king uh, only for who yes. to eat the letter and hope that it was junk mail ah so yeah. frustrating i ah. think he might cough that back up at some point I hope he does. Yeah. Oh man, like oh, we were so close, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> yeah, I think he's gonna be like the will in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. 
Like, you know, like, oh, you remember, yeah, remember, exactly. remember Roger Robbie, like, wrote, like, you know, the love letter on the, on the, on the well. On the lip, yeah, yeah, the, exactly, yeah, like, the, you put lipstick on the blank piece of paper, and then it turned out it was invisible ink, and mm-hmm. so it just happened to be the well, so, yeah. I, I hope at some point that, you know, Hootie will maybe cough up the letter, and then, you know, we find out who this guy is, because we still don't know. Yeah, we find out that King Wolford owns Toontown. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah sure if we're, if we're gonna have the connections with the cinema the marvel cinematic universe and the other disney shows yes we're gonna have a connection with roger rabbit and all the looney tunes characters yes we're gonna have that who hexed roger rabbit <laughs> all right i think we're done here okay let's talk about the owl house season two episode nine eclipse lake and uh, let's just start off with the cold open because uh right off the bat they show us emperor Ballas's face Yes. Yeah. And uh, he he looks more normal than I thought he was. I thought it was going to be like really deformed, especially with him being transformed into like this, you know, creepy cursed mud looking monster. But no, he just looks like a genuinely normal guy with like his silver blonde hair. And, you know, he has smaller ears than I've seen anybody on the show so far. And he has this huge greenish brown scar on his face, which looks very interesting and there's a lot of theories as to why he looks like that but i'm sure we'll get to that at some point yeah i think he's uh, i mean i mean the the most obvious explanation i think what we've got here for ballads i think is that one he's cursed I think uh, yes. I think that I think that's probably a, a good explanation. For that. That's the reason why he despises wild magic. And uh, number two, he's probably the human. And he may either be Philip Witterbane himself, or probably maybe a descendant of Philip Witterbane. So I think yeah, uh, a lot of people have been making the argument that he might be a descendant of Philip Witterbane because, as we heard from Hunter in, um, you know, the the previous episode that. Um, you know, his family uh, does not have magic. And a lot of people are saying, okay, well, if Philip was a human and he, maybe he got married to a witch, maybe that particular line of families would not have the bile sack in them so that they cannot perform magic, which is why both Hunter and Emperor Bellows are using artificial magic on their staff so that they can be able to perform their um, techniques and abilities. So uh, people are making the argument that, you know, he might be a descendant of Philip Wittebane. But then there's also the argument, now that we saw that cold open, that he could be a Grimwalker. So if you were able to pause in the cold open a book that Emperor Bellus is opening, where you get to see ingredients on how to make a Grimwalker, where it says that Golderstone, which we did talk about in the episode... um, uh, look uh, through the Looking Glass ruins, where the um, you know the Golder Stones were used to enhance magic, and it says that it's used as a heart and it's used for power. Then the palestrum wood, which is used for keratin. Now keratin is a type of protein that is used as the foundation for our skin, organs, nails, and hair. Uh, stone sleeper lungs, uh, which we have not seen what a stone sleeper looks like. I mean, there. I mean, in the show at least. I mean, we've seen a picture of it. It look, kind of looks like a tyrannosaur well like kind of like a stegosaurus almost then the selkidama scales which we already knew about the selkidamas because in the first episode of season two that was when um they were trying to capture it for the bounty and uh emperor bell sent hunter to kill it and then there's the bone of orctet i looked up orctet online to see what it is it's a botany term for a plant that was originated from a clone of a plant so let's just say if you take a leaf of a plant and then you were able to put it in the ground and grow it, and then it grows into its own plant. That is the clone of the original plant's form. So then we saw in the other picture that there's like a lot of ingredients, and if you mix it together, it forms into like 
a person and we got to see from the eyes that they look exactly like hunter's eyes and i'm like is hunter a clone of emperor bellows or if he's a grimwalker so there's a lot of things that were just revealed in like the first minute and that's incredible well first 36 seconds would be more precise but uh okay okay, fine yeah but uh, yeah i mean like uh, my view on this here's the thing about this like uh I don't necessarily believe yet that Hunter is, you know, a Grimwalker, you know, as in, like, a, you know, a, you know, a monster in, in itself. Like, I am going to... Because if you look at the book, like, unless, you know, like, you... Unless, you know, in in the uh, in the Boiling Hours, you read, you know, right to left, you know, like, uh, if you notice, like, the Grimwalker section is actually on a, on a different page compared to, like, the other bit, which looks like it's actually part of, like, another spell. So, like, uh, the likelihood is that, uh, you know, and... Uh, I think maybe Member Bowers may have used another spell, or maybe have used another way of like creating a clone of himself and put it, and basically that is Hunter. So uh, that's one thing that he potentially do. I mean, I'll definitely say he's not, uh, he's not, he's not been made from the Ortmeier files. You know, he's not a bald killer clone with a barcode on the on the on the back of his head. But uh, um, I, I don't know, like what I mean, whatever the way that he created him. Oh my goodness, that that throws in so many like you know ethical questions or unethical like behavior from this guy and. Um, you know, I've got a lot of people like saying like, "Oh, he uh, looks a lot, you know, more pleasant looking than I thought he was." It's like, yeah, but uh, you know, uh, don't be fooled by a pretty face. You know, like uh, he's still a genocidal maniac who has murdered loads of w- wild witches and uh, has is now basically now creating clones of himself. And uh, yeah, and, and and also not to mention that he has no care whatsoever for his subjects. Like he would easily replace them if they don't. Uh, do exactly what he does. I mean, we saw with Hunter that he just feels absolute guilt that he wasn't able to collect the palisman for Emperor Bellows in the last episode that we talked about. And so, th- you know, there's like this talk of like, in, in, or in any normal circumstance, I'm sure that, you know, Hunter would have been gone. But then he's saying, no, but the Titan needs you. I need you to stay in this castle where you'll be perfectly safe. And it's like, oh, really? Get, tend to give us an explanation on that. Hmm. So, I mean, eventually, the one thing that's currently going around is that the reason why he wants him safe and the reason that he says that the Titan's got big plans for him is that he's probably going to plan to transfer himself out of his own body and into Hunter. Oh, jeez, we're going we're to go into Naruto territory where Orochimaru, his body was decaying, and so he needed Sasuke so that he can be able to keep himself afloat and use his ability. So it's like, damn. But then mm. again, I saw a lot of, like, Naruto comparisons, but I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment. Man, it's like, uh, what's his, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 Ghoul? Is it, like, uh, from Batman? Uh, Rage Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he used yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rage Ghoul used his daughter to, like, you know, keep himself alive in Batman Beyond. Like, you know, oh, that, was, that, was, yeah. that was creepy. But, uh, yeah, there was that. And so, um, that was only, like, the first, like, minute of the show. And like, then there was the I intro on top of that. 36 seconds. 36 seconds, yeah. And then there was, like, the, the well, the 36 seconds, like, reveal what we just talked about. And then there was the uh, bit where he said, yeah, we do, you know, uh, I need you in the castle. Bye. And then he runs off. And then that's the other part of it. But, um, yeah, so we then go into the intro. We then find that uh, um, uh, Amity is uh, basically running running, running the show and uh, is uh, trying to, uh, you know, g- gather as much, uh, you know, healthy food and, uh, you know, relaxing music and, uh, you know, making sure that the uh, house is guarded by Hoodie, of all people. But, uh, you know, like, um, then uh, we find out the reason why she's doing this is because uh, Luce is sick with uh, something called the common mold. Uh, Ida's wondering why on earth she's 
why she's worried about because obviously it's uh, a very common thing for the you know uh, things to get. But uh, we found out that uh, uh, Luz is a human. And, well, we've known that for all along, but apparently uh, humans have never got the common mold before, so we don't know what uh, it's like. And uh, you can definitely tell that uh, uh, Luz is not taking to it too well because her brain appears to be turning into wallpaper paste as she uh, thinks that uh, snakes are made of arms and uh, she's uh, going completely off the rails in some places. So. Yeah, she definitely acts like Sokka in the episode of The Blue Spirit, where both Sokka and Katara were sick with the, the fever, and Aang had to buy frozen frogs so that they can be able to be cured. And Sokka just acts really loopy because he is high with a fever, and he's, like, seeing a lot of illusions from Momo. So, yeah, Luz is going through a similar situation where, you know, she thinks that she has snakes for arms, and, um, you know, she thinks that... Um, you know, she could be able to recover really quickly when in reality she cannot. So, yeah, she is a bit delirious. Mm-hmm. So um, then she actually the the rat the Echo Mouse um, uh, starts to open up again about the about the diary, and uh, then we find out about uh, Eclipse Lake. And so uh, uh, um, Luz is desperate to get out, but obviously they keep her in bed. And uh, Amity, being the awesome girlfriend that she is, uh, uh, volunteers to go off into Eclipse Lake and uh, try and find out what's going on down there, and uh, trying to find the, uh, the, uh, the 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 stuff they need for the key. So, um, well, and so we don't, we don't realize it's actually stuff with the key. So, yeah, sorry, I'm all over the place with this bit. So they go to Eclipse Lake to uh, go find the Titan Blood. That's, that's what it's for. Yes. Yeah. And we did know about the Titan Blood in episode four when uh, Gwendolyn, uh, Ida, and Lilith's mother was talking about how it's extremely rare and how it cuts through the dimensions between, uh, you know, uh, Bonesboro and the human world. So we already knew that, but we get more details about it, saying that this is the thing that powers up the portal door, was they needed titan's blood but unfortunately titan's blood is incredibly rare like like almost to the point in which they can't find it and so they go back into the knee where they go over to eclipse lake and the knee was a place that we went to in adventures of the elements that's the episode where you know luce and ida were getting their training and ida was teaching luce about a new ability that's where she gets her ice ability and this is where edric and emra were teaching amity about magic and uh oh man the parallels of that is phenomenal especially when uh we go over to amity scene but we'll get to that in just a moment so you know, Amity being like the awesome, amazing girlfriend that she is, she decides to volunteer to go with Ida and King so that they can be able to get Titan's blood over at Eclipse Lake. Yeah. By the way, the one joke that uh, fans have been going, it's like, you know, she, she's been announcing herself as the girlfriend of so many times in this episode. And it's like, you know, it's like, you hear that, Disney? Like, you know. It's yes, just... <laughs> exactly. They're not best friends. They're not gal pals. No, they are girlfriends. Yeah. And yes. uh, apparently th there's a rumor going around. I don't know if this is true or not. Apparently this was done intentionally to stop them from censoring it overseas. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Yeah. So um, we end up with a situation where we go to uh, the knee, where we suspect Eclipse Lake is uh, to be, and uh, we already see that uh, the Empress Coven's already busy at work trying to actually get access to the old mine that's in there. And uh, we bump into Kikimura, uh, uh, who um, is basically going crazier by the episode, from the looks of it. And yeah, she is definitely, I can definitely see, like, Azula vibes from her, like, or, you know, like toward the last episodes when, you know, she has to live up to Fire Lord Ozai's, um, you know, um, stance on her saying, okay, I need you to be the Fire Lord of the Fire Nation while I'm the Phoenix King. And so, you know, she, like, starts deteriorating and losing her mind to, like, really get herself up there. And we saw in the last episode that she failed on getting the palismans for Emperor Bellas. And she doesn't know that the Golden Guard was the one, I mean, she kind of knew at, you 
you know, that the Golden Guard was the one responsible for getting rid of the Palisman. Oh, I, I think she's aware that, that, that that's what happened. And so now there's this rival. This is the thing, like, uh, it seems to be like the seeds are being sown for, like, you know, a massive rift being developed within the Empress Coven. Like, uh, there'll be uh, those within the Empress Coven who uh, you know, look up to the Golden Guard as, like, the poster boy of, of, the, of, the, of the Coven. And then there'll be those who think that Kikimura should be the one that kind of lead, leads off. So, you know, like, uh, maybe it might be, we might be building up to a point where, you know, there's going to be, like, a massive, you know, massive fight within the, within the, within the monks of the ranks. So, uh, well, yeah. and, uh, something that Empibalus can't control. So, uh, yeah, but- and we, we even saw in, like, the intro of the show, like, we saw Kikimura being really calm and reserved, just like she was in season one, but she's, like, really, like, losing her mind, and she's just going out in massive bursts, like, in the episode that we just saw today, where she's really wanting to prove herself to Emperor Bellas, saying, I want to be the one who is alongside with Emperor Bellas's right hand, not the Golden Guard. So, yeah, she is desperate to look for the Titan's blood. I don't know if this is going to be really unfair to say, but uh, there's... There's some parts of it that kind of reminded me of Rita Repulsa from Power Rangers in some places. When she, the way she, she was kind of acting off, it's like uh, I suppose at one point to say, you know, hey, ah, after ten thousand years, I'm free, <laughs> you know. Or you know, magic make my monsters grow. <laughs> Something like that. Actually, that would have been one thing for the uh, for the abomination. By the way, she's taking a really big liking to those abomations, hasn't she? Like, yeah, she, 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 she really is. She is definitely taking to it. Even though that Darius wasn't really happy about it, saying that uh, you know um, that the blights were hacks for creating the abominations the way that they were. Yeah. So, um, I mean, maybe that probably might play into it, like, uh, maybe, uh, you know, there might be this rebellion, like, who might be backing the Golden Guard and saying that, you know, he's the guy who should be, like, you know, uh, that they take sides with, and then all of a sudden, you know, Kikimura releases the Abomatons and suddenly starts controlling everything. You know, like, also, or, she, you know, or we can have like a bit of a you know a reversal. Remember that theory that you were talking about, where you think that Kikimura might be the main villain of the series. I'm where s- yeah, here's the thing. I'm starting to think less of that now with the way that she's just been behaving. You know, like uh, she doesn't sound like someone who's kind of like you know in control of her own emotions at the moment. So like, I would have thought like you know if if she was like the main villain of like the show, I would have thought she would have just got like, kind of like gone with the flow. Like you know, remember when uh, in when she imprisoned Rain. And uh, when when she was doing that, and I thought, oh, well, that's kind of like part. And she says, oh, I need to keep Rain because uh, you know they're part of the plan. So right. I would have thought maybe that's just you know Kikimura, obviously you know going along with uh, what she you know eventually her uh, eventual kind of like turn on Bellos, and that she's going to become like the massive you know bad guy for like season three. You know, I thought that's kind of like the direction I thought we were kind of going in. But uh, no, she doesn't seem to be all that in control anymore from the sounds of it. So I don't think she's... No, no, uh, she is definitely going off the deep end, like severely much so. She is so desperate to get in good ranks with Emperor Bella to the point in which she's willing to just lose everything about That's what basically dents my theory a little bit, because like, uh, why the hell would she care what, uh, you know, trying to please Emperor Bellos? You know, like, uh, if she's going to try and get all these, uh, you know, these powerful elements for him, and then she's just going to betray him in the end anyway and take all the power for herself, why would she care what Emperor Bellos thinks at this point? Or maybe Emperor Bellos would be defeated, and then she would, like, completely break herself. It's like, I must avenge Emperor Bellos. I must be the one to take over. Mm, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, but, we'll anyway, we get into the mine. Well, actually, before we get into the mine, um, the Golden God decides to disguise himself as a uh, as a as a as a uh, uh, an Empress Scout, and uh, so. But uh, then he uh, gets followed by by these Palisman, who uh, won't stop leaving. <laughs> We're calling him like little rascal, I think, at the moment. 
are we? I think that's oh. I think that's what the the name is for now because that's what Luce called uh, the little uh, palisman. Yeah. But yeah, he doesn't. We don't know a name yet. I mean, we we, we do get somewhat of a hint at the end, but yeah. Okay. So, in the meanwhile, well, until then, no let's refer to him as Rascal. So sure. Yeah. Okay. So Rascal tags around with Golden Guard and uh, drags him basically into in front of Amity uh, Lu- Amity Eda uh, uh, and King. And uh, they reckon they they think he's just a he's just a scout, but then they realize uh, they he then speaks up, and then they recognize his voice. And uh, you know, I, I love the fact that Amity like has never like met the Golden Guard in person, and like, they says, uh, "Oh, he's all scrawnier than I thought he was going to be." And then King just gets burst out laughing. That, that, that was a brilliant moment. Yeah, that uh, so, was pretty funny. Yeah. So uh, yeah, mind you, like I don't know what Rascal was thinking, like dragging him in front of them. Like you know, did he want him to get captured? Or like uh, I, I mean, think. That- reason why that happened was because maybe that um you know he was trying to help out hunter is like oh you know they're doing the same thing you know they're going to be looking for the titan's blood why don't you guys work together because you know you're not going to be able to take down kiki mora by yourself i mean he doesn't even have his artificial um magic staff with him so he doesn't have a connection with the palisman yet so i think that maybe um you know he was just trying to help him out like maybe pair them up or something mm-hmm. so i think he didn't bring his artificial staff with him from the looks of it. Yeah, right? that's a good thing. It's like, um, I, 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 that's a good question. I mean, maybe uh, Bellos is holding his uh, staff back because he wants him to stay. He doesn't want him to go into any more missions. So mm. maybe that's why he just kept it. Maybe he's in the shop. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe it is in the shop. But yeah, I mean, obviously Rascal knows who Ida is because if you remember, the Bat Queen was able to take all of the Palismen and they were going to be adopted that day. So I'm taking that maybe Rascal kind of recognized Ida and said, oh, you know, you can trust her. You know, she'll be uh, she'll be able to help us out. Mm-hmm. So um, we find so we get to the point where everyone gets into the uh, into the mine, and uh, it's interesting that I mean, what were they? I mean, there's got all this mining equipment in there. Like, you know, what were they, were they mining Titan blood at one point? Uh, yes, were. So if you're uh, so if you remember from like the old um, lore and stories uh, back around the savage times, they were using Titan's blood for their magic, and I guess as time went on, it was like completely depleted, and so that was when the time of Emperor Bellas came along, in which like they had to like restrict, you know, like you cannot just use any magic that you want, and so you can only like belong into a certain coven. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what we talked about in the Palastrum Wood from the last episode, in which like that has been like super common. Back then, for people to like, you know, build their palismans from it, but now it's become super rare because you know Emperor Bellows has been taking it. So, yeah, I think that I mean, we, there's still a lot of things that we don't know about, like you know, uh, the the mines, you know, for the Titans' blood. Like, what were they using them for, other than just you know increasing their magic? I mean, you know, I don't know if they, there was even any talks about like using it to um, go between you know different realms. I mean, that's I, there's just so many things that we just don't know about the show, and it just leaves you like asking questions. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so we get we get into that, and so uh, it looks like uh, the um, the 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 way that the cave is made up is made up of uh, you know uh, this uh, this ancient material. That so if you launch magic at it, it uh, bounces around. It is made. It is made out of the veins of the Titan. Oh, okay. Then so that's the reason why it does what it does. So yes. yeah, this this Titan. I'm I'm really looking forward to like to the full explanation of it all. I really yeah, am. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, we, we learned in the last episode that, you know, the muck of the Titan was how we got demons. That's how we got demons such as Hootie and, I mean, we don't know about what King is, but, yeah, that's how we got the bug demons. That's how we got the bipede. That's how we got the beast demon. So, yeah, like, who is this Titan? How did how was it defeated? Yeah, and, yeah, there's just so many questions about the Titan about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it makes me wonder, like, uh, is the King linked to the Titan in some way? 
Like, uh, always, like, if his people. Oh, no, not because Hootie ate the letter. I know. So, like, uh, well, I think we'll find out eventually. I mean, do you remember there was actually, like, when they were doing, like, all the pilot stuff, and, like, uh, there was one bit where I think uh, there was, like, uh, you know, Luz and Eater about to be, like, eaten by, like, uh, monsters that kind of look like King. I think, and they, yes. like, King was, like, there, like, uh, hmm, I think that might that might play in at some point, I think. So, that, 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 it could be a, that could be a strong possibility, yes. Mm-hmm. But in the meanwhile, we do know that... Um, you know, Hunter tells them that they cannot be shooting, you know, these drill projectiles because of the veins of the Titan would bounce it all over the place. And so then they are going to, like, use this um, cave so that they can be able to find Eclipse Lake. And then Kikimura just so happens to be blocking the path where the lake is. And, um, they, you know, Ida decides to do a distraction, but then takes too long because she's trying to do all of her best to summon up her harpy form, which, you know, there's a, like, there's, there was this hilarious moment where she tries to, like, summon her, her harpy form by, like, going all Dragon Ball Z by trying to, like, you know, use all of her energy to, like, just squeeze herself out of it. And it's like, yeah, that, I mean, that doesn't work that way, Ida. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, while that's going on, there's this other bit. By the way, um, I, I love how Lumity's kind of, like, you know, forming at this moment. Like, uh, they got these, like, cute little Tamagotchis that they kind of communicate now with. Which um, I think yeah, is, uh... we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, I mean, Amity is like receiving all of these messages from her Tamagotchi, which kind of looks like the cat from Azumanga Dayo for some reason. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, she's receiving these messages from Luz, and she's not able to understand it. And then Hunter sees one of them and says, um, "Oh, uh, I know what this says. It says you better get the results, or else." she's going to break up with you. And Amity was like, no way, you know, I'm an awesome girlfriend. And Hunter's like, did she tell you that? Yeah, but this is interesting, though, because, like, uh, we see two characters who kind of, like, interpret, like, you know, uh, feelings for, like, you know, like, love and affection, like, in completely different ways. I mean, like, uh, Hunter looked like he's in in an abusive relationship with Emperor Ballas. Not, like, in a a physical, not, like, in that way, but, like, in a, he's basically, you know, being manipulated to, like, you know, saying, oh, you're part of the you know you're in this uh, whole titan business as well and uh, i need you to basically kind of do what i say and you know just uh, kind of like being being manipulated in, a, in an emotional way as being like you we, know, don't even know if, we don't even know if he isn't being physically abused because he has scars all over him he has his ear chipped so well, I, I don't know about the so- physical but keep this in mind like if we're going to go on the fact that he's emperor ballas's clone i think maybe he's probably got those scars probably the same way that emperor ballas probably has all those injuries as well so like mm, possibly um, yeah he, that might just be like a, what what happened, you know, what was transferred over. Maybe he probably has no knowledge of how he got those cars. So uh, maybe that we- that could be a possibility. But yeah, you do bring up an interesting yeah. point about how um, Hunter and Amity were pretty much like the same. Um, going through the same situation where they both have to please their parental figures in order for them to feel like they're relevant. Um, and, and that's a great. Um, you know, scene that they had together where it was talking about how, you know, they would do anything that they could so that they can be able to get to the top and make their parental figures proud. And with Amity, we saw this in like the first few episodes. I was a teenage abomination and convention where uh, she was telling Luz, I need to do everything I can to get to the top. I want to be part of the witch's coven, uh, the emperor's coven. You know, uh, you're just being a distraction. I don't want to be your friend and all that kind of stuff. But my goodness, did she drastically change when she be uh, became more closer to Luz, where she realized about how... Um, you know, love, especially from a person who truly cares about you, does not make you completely worthless. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, yeah, so you can see where both characters are in, in, in this conversation. And uh, so, and also, uh, but I, I, this is the thing. Some of Hunter's interactions are really just kind of like, uh, really, just like the fact that he's like, uh, you know, basically pushing people's buttons. And like, I don't get, I get that he's not in a good situation himself. I'm not saying that. So, you know, he's, uh, you know, uh, totally unjustified, not unjustified for the way he's acting. But, uh, I think basically kind of being manipulative with like saying like oh you know maybe Lou doesn't love you as much as you think you do. It's like you know that's a bit of a dick move really. So I mean I guess I guess he never really got like true love and affection from anyone. I mean the only one he ever um, knew about in terms of family was Emperor Bellus, and we already know how manipulative he is. So it's like you know trust no one, even if they seem like they're nice, just just don't trust anybody because yeah, like, you never know like, if they're like, going to step you know, in the uh, back. Is uh, uh, Hunter ever never seen like any girls like in the Emperor's Coven at all? Like, you know, like... Other than, uh, other than Kiki Mora and the captains, which are always constantly wearing their masks, it's like, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I'm just really surprised. But, uh, I, oh well. I, I mean, I think that the interesting fact about that um, Hunter was still kind of, like, thinking of Luce in kind of, like, a negative way, but at the same time, he sort of understands on what makes Luce such a very special person. But at the same time, he kind of, like, gives me Zuko vibes, in which, even though that he does understand that, you know, the Avatar has to be the one to bring all the balance into the world, he still needs to capture him because he wants to make his dad proud. It's kind of like the same, same similar situation. Mm -hmm. He needs to make Emperor Bellos proud and still feel relevant, so he's willing to get the Titan's blood. And then later on, we find out about that um the key that um we've been seeing throughout this entire series has titan's blood in it and is able to open the portal door which is why that emperor bellows um needed the the titan's blood in the first place so that he can be able to craft a key to open up the door and we also find out earlier in the episode that apparently emperor bellows has been in the human world before so that even brings up more questions about the whole philip Woodbane thing yeah i i probably imagine that uh, yeah well yeah that, that it would bring up a lot of questions and uh yeah i would like to know a bit more about actually what he was doing there and in fact you know yeah, if and, he, and, does that even does that even like even more clues that he's actually philip Woodbane himself you know. I mean, if that's the case, I mean, he was able to, like, live for a good 400 years looking like he's in his 50s. Well, uh, you know, in Tangled, you know, like, uh, you know, you know, her, the, uh, the, the the antagonist in there was keeping herself alive, you know, through, you know, brushing hair. So, like, uh, that, that is true. it is Mother plausible. Gothel was able, it is true, Mother Gothel was able to live for who knows how long because of the flower, and then the flower was crushed into the herbs to you know, heal the mother and then got over to Rapunzel where she was able to use the hair that had the remnants of the flower. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, we, we just still don't know a lot of things yet, but I'm sure that we will know sometime in the later episodes of the season. But in the meanwhile, we do get to see like parallels of Hunter doing anything that he can to please Emperor Bellows. And again, giving me major Zuko vibes in which he's willing to do anything to help, you know, regain his honor and get back to the throne and make his father proud. So um, again, you know, going into like uh, the last episode of the second season in which there were, you know, Katara and Zuko were trapped in the cave and Katara was able to trust Zuko, but then Zuko stabbed everybody in the back by teaming up with Azula. So it's very similar in which like Amity was able to trust Hunter when Kikimura was just about to go into where they were at and he doesn't have his staff and he's tried, you know, tied up with the abomination goo that Amity carries in her satchel. Another, you know, reference to Avatar where Katara carried water in her satchel. I mean, it makes sense because they're both voiced by Mae Whitman. And so she decides that, you know, she's going to play off a uh, loose and trust him. But then, of course, he decides to run off and go over to a minecart and try to see if he can get the Titan's blood before anybody else. Yes. And then, and then yeah, Amity gets captured and then uh, she uh, ends up getting thrown down the hole herself. 
So. See, that was really dark. Like, the captain was like, I'm bored, and just throws her in. It's like, damn. Like, usually in, like, these kind of situations, they'll just be, like, standing there and keeping an eye, and then Amity would try to find a way to escape. But no, it's like, screw that. We're running out of time. Let's just throw her into the ditch that uh, King and Ida fell into when they saw the fool's blood, thinking it was Titan's blood. And then Hunter tries to warn them, and they didn't listen to him, because why would they have any reason to trust him? Yeah. Yeah, this is the thing that's going to play, I think, in the show. Like, why should we trust Hunter? Why? Like, you know, like, uh, if, um, if I, if I had, uh, you know, Hunter, like, tied up, and, like, uh, he says to me, yeah, I need you on time because I, you know, I, I need you to help me, and, uh, I, I need some kind of, like, something or other, or other, and I heard about, like, everything else, like, you know, like, uh, I would basically just pick up a sword and just cut his head off. I really would. I'd be kind of like, hey, save me the trouble, you know? Well, I don't know if I would go that far, but Luce was able to trust him when, you know, she helped um, Hunter out with, like, um, you know, taking care of Kikimura. And then finally, when the Palisman were just about to, you know, be free from her clutches and from the Hand Dragon. And then um, she was able to allow Luce to escape and the Palisman to escape. So I think that there is some... I think there's something deep down inside that Hunter is willing to trust, you know, people other than just Emperor Bellows. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So, um, in regards to, uh, you know, going further forward, um, so, uh, Ida finally manages to, uh, talk with the Owl Beast and manages to, so she negotiates her way into basically becoming, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the Harpy Lady, and, uh, so she's, uh, ends up having, like, a whoop moment in that, and, uh, but then Amity makes her way over to, uh, what we think is the Eclipse Lake, but it's completely dried up, and, uh, Hunter is, uh, not taking it too well. Like, uh, he's digging his own grave. Yeah, he, he is psychologically traumatized. He really is. Like, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. There's, there's part of me that wonders if he is actually redeemable as a character after uh, after seeing that. But who knows? So. Well, and, and, then we, and then we also find out that the Tamagotchis that uh, Amity was receiving after she was having doubts about Luce. And then King decides that, okay, um, this doesn't look right. I'm going to actually turn it on its side. And then she sees instead of, you know, I need the result, otherwise I break up with you, it says, you are rad. And then there was like a whole bunch of other messages such as, um, fool's blood bad, um, you know, are you okay, come home. And then the first one that we saw when uh, the episode first started and Amity didn't understand what it said I've, I've I looked it up and it says you You're are pretty, pretty. yeah yeah <laughs> it's so adorable oh my goodness I love them so much yeah I, I love this ship so um but uh, then after that we get this really cool fight scene uh, that uh, takes it's between- amazing by the way and uh, going in, back into the parallels I was mentioning about adventures in the elements I mean it's been over a year since that episode aired where Amity was just learning how to use magic and now she's able to do magic like a boss like oh my goodness she has progressed so far oh and by the way I guess we forgot to mention this Amity has a palisman now and it's a white cat named Ghost it's uh, based off of uh, Dana Terrace's own cat yeah, exactly yeah so uh, I'm interested to see how my, I was listening to Morgan Terry's reaction and uh, shout out to Morgan Terry, by the way, and uh, she's uh, uh, who's on two thousand, who's on two hundred, sorry, uh, two, twenty thousand subscribers, I believe, at the moment. So yes, uh, yes she, yeah. So congratulations, Morgan. Yeah. Well, how, how long? Do, how long do you need to be? I mean, how many subscribers do you need to get like a, a thing for? You know, like a, a plaque. Uh, from YouTube. Okay, um, one hundred thousand subscribers for a silver pa- uh, silver plaque. One million subscribers for a gold plaque. Uh, I don't. Uh, okay, maybe, we need to get Morgan I, Terry hundred thousand subscribers. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, that's the, that's the next goal. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, 
So with that, um, we end up with this really cool fight scene. Amity kicks ass. By the way, she, she, she makes herself an iron fist and just punches... <laughs> <laughs> Hunter in the chest, and he's kind of like, I, I thought you, I thought, mind you, I thought if uh, they were going to do that, I thought like your Hunter was going to go flying backwards, and like he kind of like he seems to really just kind of like you know just kind of like didn't really he took he took it pretty well, so uh, yeah. but yeah, in the episode that we talked about escaping expulsion, where um um Alador was talking about, uh you know be careful, Dahlia, you know I think we should let um her be friends with Luz because she's getting stronger. She might even become a head coven one day, and we saw her defending herself from the Abomaton, which is fine. But man, did she really pick herself up, considering that she was able to do all of these abil uh, abilities with her Abomination, and she was able to go up against Hunter, who is a child prodigy. So she was able to go up against him, and you know with Hunter using his Palisman for the first time, and you know it's using real magic as opposed to artificial magic, but he was able to pick it up really quickly and yeah the fight scene was just of equals but for completely different reasons i mean again with amity you know just learning how to do magic a year ago when we saw the episode and then her continuously training and getting herself better is like wow she's able to go up against a prodigy like the golden guard she has really progressed as a character i think that in my opinion with everything that we've seen so far she is the most well-developed character in the entire series we saw her going from this uh, you know, like the stick in the mud who's just constantly trying to make her parents proud and trying to uphold the blight reputation and just being a bully to somebody who's loving and compassionate and somebody who's willing to trust people and somebody who is really strong with their magic. She has come so far. Mm -hmm. So um, we end up with the uh, um, Amity with a key in the hand and uh, she has to hold it. By the way, uh, another another dick move on Hunter's behalf. I say, oh, hey, we know where you live and we know where your human lives and we'll come after you if you don't give us the key. So Amity smashes the key in her hand, unknowing to uh, Hunter and then hands it over. And uh, she, by doing that, she actually ends up soaking up the Titan blood that's in the key into her glove. So. Yes, and that is going to be really helpful considering that they know how to build the portal door because they have the blueprints from uh, Philip Wittebane on his journal. So they're thinking about maybe using that Titan's blood for something else. So even though that they lost the key and they lost the portal door, they can be able to build up another one with the tiny rem remnants of the, the Titan's well, blood they have. Well, I'm hope. So here's the thing about this. I really hope in like in the beginning of the next episode, you know, uh, you know, Luz comes out and says, oh, hey, I was able to rebuild the key after the one you lost, but no big deal. Like, I really hope it's not going to be the fact that, oh, hey, we got the portal ready. Uh, okay, Amity, where's the key? And she says she doesn't have the key, and that kind of builds a rift between the two. Like, uh, you know, after, after all the building up that we got to do that, there's part of me that believes they may go in that direction. I don't well, know. Well, I, I hope that I hope that they don't. I hope they don't either, but uh, th th that's in the back of my mind right now. But then so. again, you know, this, that's not, like, loose to think about. I mean, I'm sure that she'll, you know, be really forgiving that Amity was trying her very best to defend herself from Hunter getting the key. I mean, you know, she was almost well, it's about not to that. I, I, I hope that they don't go on, like, this liar reveal bit where it's kind of like, oh, hey, you know, have you got the keys? Like, oh, well, you know, I kind of, like, lost it, but then ends up realizing that uh, the reason why she lost it is because she gave it to the Golden Guard, and then there's, like, a misunderstanding, and then, you know, shenanigans. You know, like... Uh... Uh, I, I, w I hope that that doesn't happen, but I, I think that with um, Amity, you know, she was almost about to cut his throat with the abomination, uh, you know... Oh, yeah, I, I, I imagine that. She was, she was ready to kill Hunter. Yeah, like, she was ready to kill him. And I'm not surprised, like, I would be too. You know? <laughs> like, I know you would, yes. Yeah, like... Uh, and by the way, I'm sorry if I'm a bit bloodlust in, like, you know, in these discussions about characters I don't like, but, you know, like, uh, I come from Doom Eternal, okay? Like, you know, like, I suppose <laughs> I'm disemboweling most of my 
my enemies, okay? So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, so, um, they get, you know, they get home, and uh, we realise that in order for Eda to own the happy lady, she needs to eat, like, nine moles. Or something like that. Yes. Like, uh, yeah, not, not balls, yes. Balls, yeah, which, uh, if you don't know what they are, they're kind of like little like mouse kind of like things. Yeah, they're kind of like little mice hamster things, yeah. yeah. You know, here's an interesting thing. Maybe in the next vision that, uh, you know, Ida has, like when she when she's with the uh, the Albies, maybe the Albies actually talks. Ooh, oh, oh man, again, going into Naruto vibes all over again. This is very similar to like the nine-tailed fox that's inside Naruto where he finally speaks to him about being trapped in there for so long. And then, you know, at first the nine-tailed fox hated him so much because his father trapped him inside of him. And so then as time went on, when they started becoming stronger because they need to be able to defend against, um, you know, the 10 Jinchuriki, it's like, okay, we're, we're going to pair up. We're going to work together so that we can be able to save the world from, you know, the entire world being covered up in this huge illusion. So sure. So I'm hoping at some point that that would be the case where Ida and the Albies is able to like, you know, work together and maybe we get to learn more about the backstory because from what we saw in the last episode the owl beast was almost captured by the collector and then it turned into the scroll which uh lilith eventually used to curse Ida. so yeah again there's a lot of parallels that we need to know about yeah do you know, i really want like uh imagine if like they did like a a, a bit where it's like Ida and like the owl beast are kind of like an odd couple like you know, it's kind of like uh, you know where she'll like say, you know, oh, I want to do this today. But the Albies is kind of like you know, in the, like a Danny DeVito voice or something like that. Saying, you know, oh, you know, you always want to do this, but like you know, I want to do that. <laughs> I, I just want them to like have like a really you know, no, not a dysfunctional relationship, but kind of like one they are like you know, inanimable like in ta- in partaking, and not like they have a choice in it anyway. But uh, mm. yeah, okay. Mind you, in regards to the owl, like the owl beast, like connection, I, I'm just wondering. Like, I still wonder: is it still like? Keep in mind, we still don't even know what this collector guy is about. You know, like no, uh, we, do, we, yeah. we know nothing about the collector. We know nothing about the identity of the collector. We don't know if they're working for Emperor Bellos. We don't know if they're their own, you know, individual person like a bounty hunter. Nothing. Uh, there's part of me that believes that he might be a blight. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, keep in mind, like, you know, look at all the moons and, like, the suns and things like that, and look at all the iconography that, uh, you know, uh, Amity and other people wear, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I- so, I- instead of going over to, like, the Abomination, I guess maybe this particular Blight was more into Well, keep in mind, beasts. like, the the Blights are not Abomination. So, keep in mind, uh, Odalia is an Oracle, and uh, it's uh, um, Alador who's the Abomination. Oh, that's right, yeah, and um, Edric and Emra are illusionists. Yeah, so like uh, they're um, they're 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 kind of a mixture of like uh, different things. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. You're right, but uh, yeah, that, that that would be interesting because we see Amity. She wears a um, you know, she wears a crescent moon necklace now, and her shoe buckles are crescent moons, and the face of the collector is a crescent moon. So yeah, maybe you're maybe you're right. Maybe there that is a blight, but until we know more information, we we can only just leave it for speculation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, going back to the episode. Oh my goodness, I love the hug that uh, you know Amity and Luz have. Like it's doesn't it feel a lot more genuine? Then like it does uh, feel some... genuine, especially since Luce finally recovered from the common mold. And well, I mean, in comparison like... to like other times we've seen like hugs between characters, like you know the way that they animated it was beautiful. Like you know, it's like oh yeah, you, yeah. You, you just feel. I, like, I mean, you know, even like... even before that, you know, Amity was about to tell Luce, Luce, I have bad news. I lost the key." The moment that she walks in, 
Luce just immediately gives her a hug saying, I'm just so glad that my awesome girlfriend is okay because that's when she finds out that the the, the cave that the Eclipse Lake is in has fool's blood and she was trying to warn Amity about it. And she was hoping that, you know, Amity doesn't get crushed by the fool's blood that caved in because apparently Philip Wittabane had companions that went inside of the cave where Eclipse Lake was and they didn't make it. And she was afraid that Amity was going to be, you know, losing her life as well. Oh, yeah. So, but uh, that didn't happen. So, uh, you know, good times all around. Yeah, but no, 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 no. That that hug was just absolutely genuine. And yeah. The the and, and you know, this is the first time that you know Amity was hugging Luce because we saw Luce hugging Amity many times, but like a friend hug. But this was like a genuine, like, oh, my awesome girlfriend is okay, kind of uh, hug. And oh man, it was just so incredibly sweet. Yeah. So, um, so we ended with the fact that Titan blood, but then also we get a bit of a moment between Hunter and uh, his palisman, and uh, the palisman he's actually because he's actually seems to have used the um, you know his staff. He seems to know now how, what the palisman is actually talking, talk, telling him about. So they well, remember, in order for you to know about your palisman, you'd have to have a strong bond with them, just like how you know Ida and Albert have a strong bond. And uh, now that I guess that um, you know Hunter was using you know the palisman for good and even protecting the palisman from Emperor Bellows, now they have a bond that's strong enough to know that um, Hunter can be able to understand what the palisman is saying. And the palisman reveals his name, but we don't know it because we don't speak bird. Yeah. So, but it looks like uh, they've had like, uh, if at least in the in the from what I can see in the continuity of the ending, like uh, it looks like they had like a long conversation about it while he was walking back. So, yeah. So uh, that that's pretty much uh, it for that discussion of the yeah. episode. Oh, but by the way, you know, Hunter has the key, but only has half the Titan blood. So uh, yes, he does, and that's going to be major considering that now that you know pr practically that it has half of the titan's blood or maybe that the whole thing drips even before he gets home we don't even know yet um now that they have the key they're not going to have the energy source that they need to the open up the door so yeah this is going to be major coming up mm -hmm. yeah so uh, next episode is going to be uh, yesterday's lie and uh, oh my goodness this is going to be massive by the way the if we saw from the plot synopsis where Luce thinks that she found a way home and is not you know sure about what she's going to see it's like okay what's going to happen well keep in mind like uh, there's two bits of the trailer that we haven't seen yet there's the bit where uh Luz is like uh you know uh rising up from like uh, whatever the whatever she's kind of like fallen into and uh, then there's the other bit where you know her her mom uh, is uh, it seems to be um, maybe suspecting maybe that uh, the, the the whatever's in the clone of whatever it is that's uh, is taking on the image of Luz may not actually be her daughter. So I suspect. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like, because uh, you remember, like, uh, there was all like she was in that room and like uh, she was uh, staring at something and uh, while looking at her phone. So maybe there might be a possibility that maybe the portal might open for like maybe a little bit and uh, maybe it might be enough for like loses messages to get out and go towards her phone and maybe maybe when she sees them and sees all the videos, maybe she might her mom might suspect that uh, the person in that in the house is not loose. Yeah, because they have a little bit of the Titan's blood, so maybe they can be able to use it to, you know, make something, maybe just enough so that they can be able to get the messages out. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. plenty to look forward to in the next episode, and, uh, you know, this is what we're talking about compared to Monsters at Work, you know? <laughs> we took, like, double the time to talk about it. I mean, we just spent, like, five minutes just talking about something that happened for 36 seconds. Yeah. 
Okay, but people. Yes, uh, n- n- yes, but um, next week's episode. I mean, even though it's going to be the last one for this season, but oh man, Half it's going to be a big one. So we're having a season hiatus. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know, I know. But for this particular season, a it's going to be a massive one. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, let's move on to the Alhal season two, episode ten. Yesterday's lie. Uh, you know, um, th- this episode went very quickly for us you yeah. really did like uh, they packed so much into this and uh, so let's go as slowly as we can through this so um we are the establishing shot that we get at the very beginning of this is obviously um um her uh, loses mom camila and uh, also we get the the doppelganger loose uh, also in this as well, and she's throwing out all the stuff and saying, "I want a, I want a new thing." So uh, immediately she basically goes for like, you know, boo hiss, you know, uh, <laughs> getting no, not really getting the uh, the audience on her side. Pretty much this uh, double gang of lose, which we, we you know we we kind of established already. But uh, then, um, I mean, how do we deal with it? Should we do like in this chronologically, or should we deal with this character by character? Uh, um, well, I think that um, we kind of should do a combination of both because there is a lot to unpack. So okay. first, let's do it chronologically. Right. So um, in regards to the um, the character, so we are introduced to Luz's doppelganger who uh, is uh, existing in, you know, this world. And uh, we find out that apparently she's not as evil as we were led out to believe. And apparently she uh, apparently is uh, known now as V, but was known as Number Five, and apparently was some kind of science experiment from uh, the from the Empress Coven. From well, actually, she was a basilisk. A basilisk. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting take on a basilisk. For, so, for those who don't know, a basilisk is kind of like a snake that is able to, um, you know, kill off people by petrifying them. And it's kind of like in Harry Potter almost. But this interpretation of a basilisk is that, oh, she's a shapeshifter. And she was actually captured by Emperor Bellows because basilisks can be able to absorb magic. So we learned about this in a season one episode called The First Day, where it was Luce's first day at Hexide. And she met up with all the other characters who didn't have um, a sense of, okay, I want to go into this particular coven. And so so she learned about the basilisk where they were able to absorb magic and she was captured by Emperor Bellows because, you know, she was going to be used for this particular experiment. And well, no, if you summary- remember, the, uh, the, apparently, apparently these, uh, these uh, things, these uh, curators were extinct and apparently the, em- the Empress Coven brought them back. I think that's yeah. A, yeah. So basically, she was captured as a, basically to be an experiment and figure out why, you know, uh, I mean, if there could basically be some use to them. So, but then they yeah, escaped. I mean, the basilisk can be able to absorb magic, and I think that that's going to be huge with the day of the uh, the day of unity, which is why I think that they were experimenting with them in the first place. Yeah, and so I mean, did they still? I mean, was it established that they still had some of these? You know, uh, these these basilisks, or did, I mean, from what I gather, I mean, like uh, V was like doing like some kind of secret and nim thing, getting them all to escape. You know. So. Yeah, that that's exactly what happened. Yeah, she was able to escape from Emperor Bellows, and um, she, you know, from the very first time that we saw the memory of her meeting up with Luz and she said okay when I first saw you then I went over to the portal door and I disguised myself as you not knowing that I was going to be meeting up with your mother and I decided to stay with her ever since because I felt a sense of belonging where I never felt that before and it's like wow this happened from the very beginning yeah so uh, yeah I I want to go back to the first episode actually and like I'm sure I saw that character 
you know, we're walking I'm sure around. we did. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's, 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 it's crazy. It's like, you know, it's kind of like an As Told by Ginger situation. It's like when you first see Noelle Sussman, it's like, yeah, she was in the background the entire time and nobody noticed her until they brought it up in a season two episode. And it's this is a Noelle Sussman situation. I'm sure if we watch the first episode again, I'm sure we'll find her somewhere. Yeah. Well, if we've got Disney Plus so we can check it out. But uh, yeah, so uh, by the way, um, just a quick shout out to that. If uh, you have Disney Plus as well, they're going to be releasing the season two, ep- uh, season season two A episodes on there too. So get watching. So uh, mm-hmm. if, if you can do, yeah. So. But uh, so um, just also uh, so we get to that bit, and so but then we flash. Mind you, this is actually kind of the first cold open that we get where it kind of flashes forward, or then yes. so then we kind of like after that we kind of flash back. So we're back at the boiling aisles. Uh, they finally filled the portal door. It's pretty much uh, the same way that it's kind of Homer's built his barbecue in that Simpsons episode. And like, uh, <laughs> I only remember that because of the memes. By the way, I barely watched the Simpsons now since uh, the old seasons, but. Uh, um, yeah, um, I look at that and I think, yeah, this is not going to work properly. You can just tell from the very beginning of it. So, uh, they, uh, but, uh, you know, they Gary's mod it together and, uh, <laughs> pretty much, uh, Ida powers it up with her, uh, you know, her, her bath, bathtub, that her mobile bathtub that she has. And, yeah. uh, then it all combines together and, uh, we get this really wonky looking door. So, uh, you can easily tell it's not going to, you know, it's not going to work the same way as that. And, uh, you know what? I still go on the premise of what I, you know, how I know teleportation technology from Half-Life, which is that uh, it's not just point A to point B. You need, like, an intermediary in the middle to kind of, like, like a border world like Zen to, like, you know, combine everything together in order to make the portals to work. So, I think what Luz ended up falling into in that door was, like, a border world. Which is the reflection realm, so uh, which you can see like it has this uh, unique ability to like see reflections in like different like mirrors and things like that. So, which is kind of unique, really, because you know like you can see. Uh, I'm guessing that this can also transcend other dimensions. So any particular like you know for reflections, you can see people in, pretty much. Yeah. So, it's so like- the only way you can be able to see um, the person that you want is by calling their name. So the first time that she tried it out. When she was looking around saying, you know, where's Ida, King, and Hootie? And then this huge 3D sphere came out, and then she became the cube. reflection of the, yeah, the cube. Uh, this huge cube came out, and then she became the reflection of the window from the owl house. And so then she decided, oh, that's how it works. And so she's going to call her mom, but it's all the way on top. And so she gets frustrated, and so she starts calming down and counting to five, which then brings up the next cube, which just her just so happens to be the doppelganger loose. And then we find out that her name is five, or V, as she calls it, which is really clever, by the way, because it's the Roman number five, and it's a V. Mm-hmm. So, and then when I first heard the voice, I immediately knew who it was. It's Michaela Dietz, a.k.a. Amethyst from Steven Universe. Universe. <laughs> I was about to point that out, actually. So... Um, the, they have this back and forth. By the way, V runs out the door and, and jumps out the second, the first story window, which uh, how she didn't break <laughs> something is, uh, is is another thing, but uh, I digress. So uh, she ends up running into the old house and uh, there's all these traps everywhere. And so she ends yeah. up falling into one of them. And so uh, Luz uh, follows her through to like uh, an, another mirror in the house, which is a portable mirror. And uh, she frees her and is able to tell, say, oh, hey, well, if uh, you're here, that means my mom doesn't mean that I'm, I knows that I'm missing. I'm still in the boiler 
Lily Isle, so she decides to help her help V out. So um, this is interesting though because um, V has actually led. Like this is the one thing I was a bit worried about when when I was like seeing all of this. Is like uh, there's one despised episode of The Simpsons, which is the principal and the pauper, and like I really thought like we were gonna get like one of those situations where it's like you know oh this is your life I was just keeping it warm for you, but no. Um, v has actually been uh, appreciative of like being in the house with uh, Camila. She even she she even calls her mom, you know, like uh, out of respect of like you know the fact that she's taking care of her this entire time. She even went to camp, and also this kind of like dispels another one of our my you know theories that just seems to kind of like keep dying a death, pretty much. I always have a graveyard full of these theories now, like you know, just like all just like with our own tombstones. Like, uh, it's just, um, so, the camp apparently is not evil. Apparently it was an innocent place where, you know, uh, uh, V actually went to because, um, Camila got the day off, so they spent some time with one another, and, uh, they got to, obviously, you know, but obviously Camila's none the wiser. She still thinks it's Lou's being, being, uh, being crazy. And then, uh, she, uh, goes to the camp, makes friends there, still has friends in Grave, in, uh, where, by the way, we also now know that the place is called Gravesfield. Uh, yes. They so, Gravesville, Connecticut. I don't know if that's a real place or not. We'll have to look it up. But, I don't think it is. It's very similar to, like, Gravity Falls, Oregon. It's like, it's not a real place. Yeah, so... Um, so, she makes friends with all these people, and, uh, she ends up getting these cards, which, uh, obviously has magic in them, and, uh, she wants to know where she can get more of them, because she needs magic. And, uh, but also, during the, all of that as well, we learn that Eda apparently has been making a nuisance of herself before the portal door closed, because she got herself banned from a cafe in the local area as well, and apparently some people I mean, do know her. So. I mean, it's not too surprising. I mean, she's had the portal door for years. I mean, we even knew that she ran away from home at a very young age. So I wouldn't be surprised by using the portal door. She's able to, like, maybe, like, on and off over the years, live in the human realm and, you know, watch movies in theaters and, you know, cause a bunch of crazy mayhem. So, yeah, she goes by the name Marilyn when she's in the human world. Which so is they actually interesting because uh, apparently uh, the wife that Stan Pines had in Gravity Falls for, like, six hours apparently was also called Marilyn. So they're now deciding to... The fans have decided amongst themselves to say that uh, that's what makes Ida and Gravity Falls, sorry, Hell House and Gravity Falls, basically canon that they would know each other now. Because apparently Stan okay. was married to Ida at one point for six hours. <laughs> So, okay, so apparently at one point Ida went over to Gravity Falls. Okay. So that, that might have been, that might be a good possibility. So, uh, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, also like all the other pictures in that um, background, including with Ida, you know, some people say that, you know, the guy with the beard is Stephen Sugar, who also is a background artist and his Rebecca Sugar's brother. And some uh, other picture that's like covered with like the curly hair and the glasses. Some people even argue that that might be Luz Batista, the storyboard artist and who's Luz is named after. So... Um, I don't know if it's true or not, um, you know, let me know in the comments if it is, but anyway, but uh, we do know that, um, you know, V is trying to locate these cards, which by the way, we do recognize these cards. These are the same cards that um, Truffles and Ida were playing with, and, you know, this is when Ida just got rid of them because she was getting too addicted to it. And so... Uh, then we find out that there was a person who was, you know, like, collecting all of these things, and they go over to, like, the historical society, and so we meet up with this guy named Jacob, who's the curator, and so he's talking about, oh, um, are you interested in these cards? You know, it's really popular with the kids, and then he, you know, decides to help, um, you know, V out, but then she looks around, and then she sees, like, this huge 
chart of like all of these connections with like Ida and the demon realm and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but even like, before we get to that point, you get this point where she looks in another reflection and uh, starts talking with Luz and then uh, she basically get, you know, starts berating her saying like, how could you leave for the boiling hours when you had such a great life here? Like, you know, like... Yeah, and this is something that we really need to talk about. So before this episode came out, a lot of people really, really hated Camila, saying, oh, man, why do you have to be so mean to Luz? You know, she was just being expressive. Why did you have to send her away to this normal camp? It's like, why couldn't you just accept her for who she well, was? Well, I, I would like to push back even that on that. Let's pretend that yesterday's lie didn't happen for a moment, and let's just focus on Camila. She's on her own. She has a pretty difficult job. By the way, we actually find out in this episode she's a veterinarian, not a nurse. So like yes. uh, so, which everyone thought she was a nurse. So at one point, so before yesterday's life even happened, she here she's a single mother. She has a really difficult job. I can probably imagine being a nurse is probably not the uh, the most pleasant. Also, uh, probably very antisocial as well because she probably has to do a load of overtime. I could probably imagine. So doesn't get to spend as much time with Luz as she would like. As I could probably imagine, but uh, uh, so I mean, like I could sympathize with uh, with Camila because you know she's going through the same struggles that every single mom would probably have. You know, like, yeah. uh, so it's, uh, in a way, I felt, I felt like the, the criticism was quite unjustified, I think, because, you know, she couldn't be, like, 24-7 in, you know, uh, not to say that she should be, but she wouldn't be as much spending time uh, with uh, Luz as much as she's doing. So no wonder Luz is kind of, like, you know, f you know, going off the rails and, like, you know, getting in trouble at school and stuff. So, like, uh, so in a way, that's not, in some way, I mean, I can't really blame Camila for that. I really can't, and so um, and well anyway, we'll, we'll, I'll get into that when we get into the final scene because I'll, oh, because that's that's intense. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you we'll that. get to that, but um, yeah. yeah, but V makes a really valid point, saying, "Man, you know, I wish I had your life because at least you had somebody who cared for you. Why would you run away from that?" And she does have a really good point. Well, like, we'll get to, we'll get to that at the end of the episode, but kind of like conti continuing on, then that's the point when we find out that you know this guy who's running the the uh, the the historical society is like some crazy conspiracy theorist who thinks that uh, witches are sent from Mars to like you know get the teeth out of people or something like. Oh jeez! Like okay, so yes, very similar to Steven Universe, where we have a conspiracy theorist, where he's kind of like the Ronaldo of the show, where he's basically like documenting all of these things and trying to come up with some really weird reason on why all of this stuff is happening. So yeah, he he has all of these um, you know magical artifacts. I mean, we saw the training wand, we saw pictures of Ida, and we saw you know various other things. So he knows that the you know that the demon realm exists and he knows that demons exist and so when v gets captured and turns back into the basilisk because she has no longer the amount of magic that she needs to transform back into loose then we have the situation where loose needs to call her mom to rescue her and you know i mean v was almost about to give up saying you know just you know try to get yourself to home as you can don't worry about me you know this is where my life is going to be and that this is where Luz shows her compassionate self, saying, "No, e even though that I, in or normal situations, I would be, you know, kind of angry at you because you know you, um, you know, you essentially like took over with my mom, but in a way, you kind of helped me, so I'm gonna help you back." Yeah. So. But here's yeah. the thing about this, like, uh, I mean, um, in regards to, like, you know, the, the conspiracy theorist guy, like, I was really hoping that he was going to say, when he mentioned Mars, I was kind of like, oh my god, he's going to, like, talk about the Doom Theory, like, you know, of, like, uh, there's demons on Mars, and, like, you know, you know was, I thought they were going like, to go into, like, the whole Doom story of, like, trying to get Arjun's energy or something like that, which would have been so cool, but no, I think he wouldn't have been ridiculous enough to get a laugh, so uh, I can see why they went with, like, you know, you're trying to steal people's teeth, so, uh, yeah. Sure. 
But, uh, yeah, so, uh, you can't blow a hole in the surface of the boiling aisles. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, but, uh, so, this, uh, V gets captured, and, uh, he's, yeah, she, she is about to give up, and, uh, but then Luz decides to, um, you know, sit down with, uh, uh, C- Camila, uh, you know, through uh, her mobile phone, and say, hey, look, this is what happened, I'm stuck in this other dimension, and, uh, mind you, they go for, she pretty much sits down and goes through the entire story, like, do you remember that, have you, have you not watched Hot Fuzz? Um, we, we watched it together, remember? Yeah, we did. So, uh, yeah, we watched Hot Fuzz. And remember that bit where, like, uh, you know, uh, Nicholas Angel is trying to t- talk to, uh, you know, his, his partner about, like, the whole conspiracy theory that he's put together. And, like, they go through, like, that whole montage. And, like, uh, I, I, and so I like to think that probably that happened with, like, between Camila and Luz. And then Camila at the very end says, uh, oh, I'm, I'm really, I'm uh, quite, you know, I don't know why you're getting me involved in your games. And, like, he's like, oh, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, <laughs> that yeah so it kind of reminds me of half fuzz which is kind of cool so uh... yeah so i mean you know did you see the look on camille's face when she heard about this she almost looked a little bit relieved because earlier in the scene where we saw that v was throwing away loose's old stuff like uh you know the great witch azura and the statue and even like the little um tin swan she was kind of upset saying that oh man you know my daughter i wanted her to change but i didn't want her to lose her creativity so when she's calling her saying you know i'm trapped in the boiling aisles i need you to help me with this and she's like oh okay i'm glad that you know uh you know even though you went to this camp and you're going to school you haven't lost your creativity so she was relieved that Luce was still able to create her creative side. And so she decided that she was going to play into this game by going over to the Historical Society and, you know, talking to the to um, this curator. His name is Jacob, by the way. So he goes, to, uh, so she goes over to Jacob, talks to, um, you know, Camila, and, you know, she, for some reason, you know, Jacob thinks that uh, Camila is part of the government or something. And, of course you know, he when does. she mentioned yeah of course he does and uh, you know she was mentioning about i want to see this basilisk and um then you know he takes her over there and then that's when she sees um you know v and then she realizes this isn't a game this is real yeah so um but she's freaked out by v the fact that uh, you know this she's she was this um, you know playing you know lose the entire time and so but lose tries to convince uh you know uh uh, her mother to say, "Hey, you know, she, she, yeah, she's a demon, but you know, she's uh, she's friendly and she doesn't mean any harm or anything like that." And so, and uh, surprisingly, she she turns around and says, "Okay, well, uh, you know, I'm I'm really glad that uh, you know you're in my house this entire time." And uh, he tears up, and like I guarantee you, a lot of other people did as well. Uh, yeah, and, and you probably wonder where Luz gets it from. Yeah, you do. And so, uh, by the way, so we get this scene between Jacob and uh, Camila, and so Camila tries to like play along with the fact that she's part of the government. She says, "You know what? I'm not." <laughs> she just drops his. You know what? I'm I'm not into this creative shit. <laughs> just pick, <laughs> picks up a slipper and just smacks him in the face. And it's like, yeah, a- you, you know that whole two lies and a truth thing that Dana Terrace posted up on one of her live streams. It was crap. The whole everything happened. Gus getting a growth spurred, Hootie leaving the owl house, and Camille beating somebody up. It all happened. Yeah. I guess you probably posted that at that point, and then they'll kind of said, yeah, let's just put them on in anyway. So, like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we, get, we get over that scene. So, V's rescued. They bring her back to uh, the house, and uh, Luz is now able to kind of, like, use the rain to reflect herself and uh, be able to, uh, you know, get somewhat 
be able to like talk properly with uh, like with the character. So uh, uh, V give, uh, eats uh, the cards, and I'm soon probably turns back into Lose probably just to kind of like you know hide her identity and continue on yeah. like the fact that I'm, so stop everyone kind of saying you know where's Lose. So right. uh, she's doing that. So uh, but then you're like you know you think that you're like, oh uh, you think that's a Camilla is like oh hey she's in the know now and she's like playing cool with it, but no she's tearing up and she's terrified about what she's yeah. just been through and that's such a natural reaction that she had and uh, then we get the bit which um, I'm still debating whether this would have been something that the lose character actually would have done I felt that was this was just a bit I don't know whether it was a bit contrived or whether it's like uh, uh, whether it's just like playing into a Neo Divergence. I don't know, but she kind of let slip. Like, I'm really glad that she went to the Boiling Owls when she had the choice to go back home. And uh, I don't know whether that was misinterpreted or whether that was like, oh my goodness, well, however you want to play it, like it was a terrible thing to say, you know. Well, like, here's what here's here's the argument that I would point out when the 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 line before this where um, Luce was trying to you know come up with. Um, you know, the proper discussion about, okay, this is what happened, mom. And then, you know, she says about how she's going to try to get herself back home. And, you know, let, let, let's think back to episode one, Luce, where even though that she was kind and compassionate, she was a scatterbrain and went all over the place. But now she's able to think things more clearly and she's able to get her plan situated. And even Camila herself pointed out, wow, Luce, you've really matured since you know, I last saw you. And it's true. Like, we talked about how Amity had grown over the past season. Luz has grown tremendously. She is no longer the scatterbrain and the, goo you know, like the crazy over-the-top goofball that we saw her in. She is a lot more restraint now. But then she mentions about, like, yeah, the Boiling Isles has changed for the better of me. And she didn't even mention about uh, Ida. She didn't mention about willow or gus or amity or anybody so she assumed that she was staying there by herself and that's why um you know camilla was broken saying like you chose this and she was heartbroken because she felt that you know the fact that she was going to be sent over to this normal camp and the fact that she was going to be you know um seen and trying to be normal to kind of like not get in trouble in school and try to fit in with other people because remember before this Luce didn't have any friends so camilla was just trying to do her best and she felt that uh, when hearing about that, oh, yeah, being at the Boiling Isles was the best thing that happened to me. This was kind of like a wake-up call saying, maybe I'm the one who's being wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have pushed you away. But Lucy's like, no, that's not true. I love you. It's just that this whole situation became a lot more complicated than realized. I mean, remember, you know, she kind of had to stay in the Boiling Isles you know, not on her own volition because she had to give the door to Bellows when she was trying to save Ida from being petrified. So that whole situation became kind of crazy. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure that at some point she would have came back, but still, it's just that things just got a little bit more complicated than realized. So I understand where you're coming from, that maybe the line should have been said, but in a way, um, I think that the Boiling Isles was a good thing for Luce. It's just that Maybe she shouldn't have stayed there as long as she did. Yeah, there's part of me that believes that she hasn't told the entire story, or maybe had the chance she to hasn't. do so. Like uh, she hasn't, she, told, hasn't. she hasn't told about like, Eda. She hasn't told about King. She hasn't even told about Amity. Like nope. I mean, how how the hell is she going to explain that she's in a relationship with a witch? Like, yeah, and also let's mention about the promise. Yeah, and so yeah, so uh, I I could probably imagine she said this out of out of stress. I can probably imagine, like, you know, she, she felt like she, you know, her mother was crying her eyes out, and so she ended up making that promise, which is like, you know, don't make a promise you can't keep. 
Like, uh, I mean, there's a few ways I could see that playing out in, in the entire show. So, one is going to be Luz is going to do a bit of a flip. I think we're going to see uh, her, you know, starting to kind of like drift away, I think, from some of our characters. Even, she may even break up with Amity. That's a, that's another Ooh. thing, yeah. Like you know, like it's 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 it's, uh, it's not uh, right now. What they have is just a it's just a it's just a you know a crush at the moment. Like it's just they kind of like uh, you know they are going steady, I guess you could say. But I wouldn't say it's you know. The, here's the thing. Also, Dana says that she's not focusing too much on Lumity. So if anything, it's just a thing that they have for one another, and it's not something that is going to play very seriously in the show. So likelihood is we might see some drama in regards to that. She might also have some conflicts with Ida and also King too. And uh, as you know, because King's got his own destiny that he needs to look at as well. Because you know, if uh, if he if there's anything that the concept art goes on to, if you remember, like uh, there was a bit where King is like amongst like other demons like look like him, and uh, they're trying to like cook Ida and Amadee in a pot. If you remember that for that concept art, so there there might be that too, and so you know he might start drifting away from her and Eda and things like that. And uh, the one thing I think that might happen though is that she might drift away from everybody, and then she ends up going back. But you know, there's still like the danger of like the day of unity, and like you know, Bella's trying to like you know combine both the human realm and the demon realm together. So like maybe that still plays out, and like all the craziness happens. Like you know, we might even see like you know, um, you know, we might even see like Empress Cover scouts, you know, you know, parading around outside in the streets, in graves, in like in Connecticut, you know, causing mayhem, like the whole world's in panic, and like, you know, you have Luz who's just there, who's made a promise to her mother that she wouldn't do anything and she wouldn't go back, but then Camila turns around and says, you know, Luz, you, you had to do something to fix this, you know, and I know that you can do it, and so Camila might turn around and say, look, I know you made a promise to me, but, you know, look at how the world is, like the, 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 the Empress Coven is literally on our front lawn. You know, like she pulls the curtain back, and there's <laughs> there's like Steve like parading around with like a <laughs> with a staff. You know, like he said, "Okay, I believe you need to do something now." And so, um, you know, and that's how, uh, uh, you know, uh, so one badass thing I would really like to do, I'd like to see Camila go through like you know an Ash from Evil Dead kind of like you know uh, thing. Like I'm not talking about her, you know, welding a twelve gauge shotgun and having a chainsaw for a hand. I'm not talking about that. But uh, you know, I'd like to see like, uh, oh hey, loser, I need you to go back to the boiling aisles and f fix all this and save the world. And don't worry, I'll come with you. And maybe they both get trapped in the boiling aisles and they both live out their lives, their lives out in the boiling aisles. Maybe I don't know. Like maybe that'd be a good way to end the show. But, uh, yeah, well, we'll definitely wait and see. But before we go over to that last bit, um, there's something that we missed. So going back into the scene where uh, Jacob was describing about the history of Gravesfield, he was talking about how it was a peaceful, um, you know, little town around the 1600s. But then two brothers were being confronted by a witch and then they were never seen again. So is this Philip Wittabane and does he have a brother? You know, the, the theory that's currently going around at the moment is that the brother might be the reincarnation... Hunter might be the reincarnation of Philip Witterbane's brother. Wow. Wow. <laughs> this is this is huge, by the way. Yeah, this you is a show that keeps on giving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's that, and also the fact that you were just saying earlier about that... 
Yeah, the 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 the, the, the direction that um, the Owl House might be going in terms of like Luce making the promise to her mom to go home and maybe she'll have to distance everybody. I mean, you know, even Dana pointed this out that this is going to be a darker season, and we just only saw like the first half of the season where it's a lot lighter. And it's true, like you know, the later the earlier seasons were definitely a lot lighter, and they were like slowly delving into more serious things. But now that we're going over to the second half, a lot of people are saying this is where things really get started. Yeah, and uh, that kind of worries me a little bit because, like, uh, what we've been exposed to so far is, like, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, I really do think that uh, Dana, I think, at some points, I think needed to kind of, like, let up a little bit and say, okay, let's just, like, uh, have... I mean, I'm not saying that you should should do filler episodes. I'm not saying that at all. But, uh, I mean, like, uh, has there ever been an episode where someone hasn't cried? In the in this oh, season, jeez. I mean, King cried, Hootie cried, Ida cried, Luce cried, Amity cried. Oh my god! I mean, everyone's crying every- in the in this yeah. season. And like, and there's not an episode where it just kind of lets up. Like, you know, why not just have like a kick-ass season where, like, uh, you know, just uh, where you know, and have some kind of like progression in it. Like right now, it's just it's. Uh, uh, like, uh, I just feel like, uh, it's actually, I, I lie, I think, uh, wasn't, uh, I mean, it wasn't Eclipse Lake, I don't think anyone cried in that as far as I'm aware, unless I'm, unless I'm um, wrong. Um, mm, I'm trying to think. I mean, uh, but, but I don't, had, had a freak out, it was building, digging his own grave, I mean, uh, Yeah, that, I mean, there, there was an existential crisis, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but, uh, like, uh, as far as I'm aware, like, uh, yeah... Like uh, this, this show. I mean, I've got to be honest. The, the final scene out of all of this, and uh, this is a really kind of haunting uh, image to leave off. Is um, I- I'm just going to go and say, Luz breaks the fourth wall in in this. Like she, I, I get the feeling that when she looked at the camera and when she looked at like you know, all, you know, you can see like all the emotion in her face. You can kind of feel like she's kind of like you know trying to translate that to the viewer to the audience. Which is like, uh, you know, that's okay when you're like trying to like do like an off message or something like that, like a PSA or something like, you know, like, uh, and so like, so you, like, you talk to the viewer about something like the characters want, like, want to interact with, like, on a, on a, on a level like that. But, you know, to do it within the show, the context of the confines of the show, I just think uh, when that happened, I can kind of like. I, I I just see it in the eyes of a Disney executive, like uh, of like you know for us the Owl House fans, I think for like the hardcore fans, you know that could probably be like you know oh wow that's a really like you know storytelling kind of like you know like a, a, a really you know natural emotion to have to like you know transmit that to like the person who's looking on the other on the other side of the screen, but for a Disney executive it's kind of like you know I don't know like I just feel like it'd be something that you would leave for like a lot later on in the show. Like uh, to, to do it now, I think uh, it kind of makes me feel like you can see that all like all her emotion in her face and like see where like this is not going to go in a very good direction. I can just see a Disney executive saying like, "Yeah, we need to cut season three in half," you know? Yeah, jeez, this <sighs> is going to be harsh, man. Like, I mean, it's, this is going to be how people felt about Steven Universe all over again, in which like, oh man, you know, after the trial, you know, after you know Steven was called in, you know, for the actions of his mother, you know, what's going to happen next? Just, and then we had like the hiatus is going on so it's like yeah go through like one emotional gut punching moment after one emotional gut punching moment yeah but i can so. kind of, i can kind of see why disney kind of like are probably having a very feeling very nervous about the owl house at the moment because like apparently if it gets darker than this i mean like where the hell are we going you know, like, uh, it, it, you know, like, and also on top of that as well, like, and by the way, I'll talk about this because uh, Morgan Terry has pretty much put this on, 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 on a YouTube video, so I'm going to talk about it too. Do you know she had to miss a day off work for this episode? 
Really? Yeah, because she she just felt too emotionally, you know, uh, uh, she just felt felt too emotional about this particular, you know, about what happened to like go into work. Like, oh, th- wow. that's not good for a show. I'm sorry. Like, uh, I I've, I've got to be hypercritical about that because, like, if you uh, if if you are doing that to the people who view your show, you're not doing a service to your audience. You're doing a disservice to them. You know, like, uh, the, that, you know, uh, the, the, these particular shows, keep this in mind, like, it's a, it's a Disney t- t- television show. Like, I get that it's, um, you know, it, it's the Owl House. I get that, and I get that it's, like, supposed to be pushing the boundaries, and I, I don't disagree with that, but I think when you have people, like, you know, you have people, like, crying out no, and, like, oh, my God, why is this happening? And, you have, and we have, like, people doing reaction videos, and they're crying their eyes out. You know, like on shows, like I don't know, I I just feel I, I just feel that's wrong in some way. You know, it's just I, I just I, I don't know what to say about that particular stance about like you know people leaving for work to kind of like you know go through that. But you know, if a show is making you feel something, then I think that that is a testament of how good it is. Hey, yeah, I mean, I'm, not, I'm I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's wrong, but. Um, I don't know, like, uh, I just, uh, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I just have some kind of, like, moral, you know, uh, and, uh, maybe we could probably have a discussion about this, like, as, as, a, as a particular topic on the show sometime, but, uh, I don't know, like, you know, the, the, the type of effect that it's having on people, like, and I'm not saying it's not a good show, I'm saying it is a good show, it is a good show, but there's being a good show, and then there's, like, uh, I don't know. Then there's like the reaction of like what's happening, you know. And also on top of that as well, I could probably see people, the higher ups in Disney, having a say on that too, you know. Mm. Like, uh, well, I don't yeah. know, but all I know is is that uh, the episode definitely leaves you on a heart punching note, saying, "Okay, uh, we need to have Luce try to find her way back home pretty quickly because." Well, her mom is really, really missing her. And, you know, just the fact that we were able to see that heartbreaking conversation where, you know, she was even like Camila was doubting herself, saying, I haven't been a good supporting mother. You know, it's my fault that you left. And Luce was trying to tell her, no, that's not it. And, you know, we were getting really close to, like, getting some more information. But unfortunately, the the portal was running out. And so she couldn't really tell her all the things that she wanted to. Yeah. And so... Mind you, like, uh, the way things are going right now, I'm, I get a, I, I get a feeling that, uh, you know, uh, you know, she's going to be seeing her mom sooner rather than later. Because, like, you know, if uh, this... Uh, I mean, keep in mind, like, uh, Hunter's got the, other, got the key and also got some of the Titan blood. So yeah. like uh, there's a possibility that uh, you know Emperor Bellows might still get might get his portal working before you know uh, before Luz does. Yeah. About whether how uh, how long that the portal will last is going to be a question because we saw what a little bit amount of Titan's blood was able to do with the portal door that they were able to put together. So I don't think it'll last very long. I mean I don't know how long um, you know the Day of Unity is going to last. I mean I don't know if that's going to be an entire day, like literally a day of Unity, but. Um, you know, if th- whatever the day of unity is, if it's going to be like the awakening of the Titan or whatever, like combining, you know, all the two worlds together, it's like th- there's definitely going to be like a, a like a particular amount of time that's going to be passing by. And the fact that um, not only do we have 11 more episodes left of season two and then three t- 45 minute specials for season three and that's going to be it unless of course if there is going to be a season four or a spin-off series or what have you if um you know the hashtags and the petitions go really really well but 
Yeah, I mean, there's it's going to be a matter of time before we do get to see, um, you know, Luz trying to have a, another attempt of going over to the human realm. And, you know, they're not going to have a lot of resources because, as we know, Titan's blood is really, really rare. And they just use one of the five fingers from Amity's glove and they only have four attempts left. Yeah. So, that's yesterday's lie, and uh, it's... Uh, now, here's the thing about this. I'm not saying it's not a good episode, I'm saying it is, but, uh, wow, like, uh, this... Uh, we're, we're, we're not going down a good place, I think. Uh, it's, um, yeah, I think all the stuff that we enjoyed, I think, in the first half of Season 2, I don't know, like... Uh, um, here's the thing about this, like, going into hiatus, I mean, maybe we could probably have this discussion now, maybe, a little bit, before we get into Monsters, Monsters at Work. I mean, like, uh, look, going off yesterday's lie, where do you think we're going? At the moment. Okay, you know, I, I mean, I think that we're definitely, it's going to be like more focused on the Day of Unity. I think there's going to be a lot more focus on Emperor Bellows. I think there's going to be a lot more focus on like, you know, the fellow Philip Woodbane having a brother situation and, you know, what what was the story behind that? There'll definitely be a lot more focus on maybe, maybe there's, there'll be a connection with King's um, past and, you know, the whole Day of Unity kind of thing. And um, as for like, you know, the fun episodes, I mean, I, maybe they'll start it off like early on, but definitely like a lot later on, they're really going to amp it up just like they did with like Adventure Time and Steven Universe in which they really upped up the ante with like, okay, this is what's going to happen. You know, we're going to have, you know, the, the Great Gum War. We're going to have the fight between Yellow Diamond and White Diamond and Blue Diamond. We're going to have this huge, massive thing that's been built up throughout this entire time and it's all going to come together. Whether it ends on a happy note or a sad note, I don't know. Knowing Dana Terrace, where she said that she doesn't even like the phrase happily ever after, I think it's going to be pretty bittersweet. Yeah. So, I yeah. Don't, I don't know. She doesn't like happy endings, but I guarantee she's probably got a whole team full of writers probably like her trying to wrestle it off her. I, I, I can see that, probably, but uh, we'll, well see. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely wait and see, but in the meanwhile, uh, yes, we are going to be going through this hiatus. We probably won't even see episodes of the Owl House until at the earliest winter, at the latest spring, but that's okay for all of you fans, because we do have Amphibia coming up in October, and then there's, of course, the Ghost of Molly McGee, which is going to be coming out around the same time, so... You know, we got a lot of other things coming up, and also for Aaron and I, we have a lot of other things that we need to catch up with. Yeah, mind you, like uh, here's the thing about this: like we're going into hiatus, and we've left it like you know, uh, Lou's looking emotionally traumatized, and then you've got the ghost of Molly McGee. And I'm saying Amphibia is not like at its moment as well, but uh, I can see Disney taking a look at those two shows uh, within that hiatus point and like say, you know what, um, we've got all we need right here. Like you know, uh, also there's no just because they greenlighted season three doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. You know, well, like, I mean, I don't I don't know uh, at this point in time, but let's just assume that it is going to happen. But if it does, it's definitely going to really up the stakes. I mean, even Dana mentioned that uh, season three is supposed to wrap up everything. So, yeah, if that's the case, then, yeah, we're in for a long ride. But in the meanwhile, we do have um, this hiatus going on. And uh, also like the codes like Rebecca Rose likes to do where she was able to like decode all the things like, uh, you know, the titles where, you know, the first letter of every episode, it spells out a message. And so far with the 10 episodes that we have received, it says seek the key. And we already know about the key because that's the key to the portal door. And as of right now, Hunter has it. And then we have the other codes, uh, which you if you look around in the episodes, there's like these um, Galean letters that if you put it together they spell out something and so far this season we have seething seas and puppet strings he no longer dreams of 
And dreams of what? Puppet strings? We don't know. There's a lot of things that hasn't been answered yet, but in the meanwhile, we can only theorize, look back on some of the episodes to see if what we know now we can be able to piece together. And uh, yeah, uh, in the meanwhile, um, I'm definitely enjoying what we saw this season. It is a massive improvement over season one, for sure. And um, yeah, we definitely need to sit down and we need to talk about what are what, what have been our favorite episodes of season two so far. Yeah, I mean, like, not, not knocking on Hootie's doors, probably like been uh, probably my favorite episode because we thought it was going to be a filler episode and it turns out to like be a massive story driving episode. So uh, I think yeah, that, that's I, I, definitely I feel, agree. Yeah. So, uh, second favorite would definitely have to be Eda's Requiem because of just how amazing the animation was and the fact that we were able to be introduced with a new character with Rain and it definitely like delved more into like how we got to see Ida and I really liked it. I, I thought it was just just like a a great showcase of who Ida was. All right, everybody. Well, until then, we'll see you all next week and uh, yeah, uh, hope you all have a good week. Bye bye. All right. Bye.